When I was young and studying cinema, there was a saying that I carved deep into my heart, which is the most personal is the most creative. That quote was from uh, our great Martin Scorsese, so. <laughs> this is not gonna happen again. Um... There is greatness in every single person. It doesn't matter who they are. They are it's, you have a, a genius that is waiting to erupt. You just need to find the right people to unlock that. Thank you so much to everyone who has unlocked my genius. This film was made by the most incredible people in the world who made it in 23 days and brought their complete genius and love and humor to it. All you people out there who, who feel like there's no mirror for you, that your life is not reflected, the Academy has your back, the ACLU has your back, we have your back, and for the next four years, we will not leave you alone, we will not forget you. So to anybody who has ever questioned your identity, ever, 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 or find your, you find yourself living in the gray spaces, I promise you this, there is indeed a place for us. Mom, I just want an Oscar. Let's all mobilize. Let's all be on the right side of history. Make the moral choice between love versus hate. Let's do the right thing. People at birth are inherently good. And those six letters had such a great impact on me when I was a kid. And I still truly believe them today. Even though sometimes it might seem like the opposite is true, but I have always found goodness in the people I met everywhere I went in the world. The last line of our film is delivered by a young woman to a new baby and she says, your story will be different from ours. It's a promise, a commitment, and an anchor, and it's what I would like to say with all of my might to my three incredible kids, Eve, Isla, and Amy, as they make their way through this complicated, beautiful world. For all the little boys and girls who look like me watching tonight, this is a beacon of hope and possibilities. This is proof that dreams dream big, and dreams do come true. Wang Da Zhang, memory eternal. Welcome, everybody. The 700 Club. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. We're, we're not going to be spewing uh, racism here on this episode. We're, we're the Gold Derby Horses podcast. Um, and we are actually celebrating Pat Robertson's death. So, uh, crab dance. Big Daddy, so okay. I'm George Aaron, your not so beloved host. Um, I am joined. Once again, by Mr. Tristan French. Hi, excited to be on and uh, this time be on the other side of it and uh, talk about the movies I saw at Cam. And returning for the, I believe it's the fourth time, Hunter Friesen. Yes, I'm, I'm happy to be on the least racist podcast known to man and to talk about great movies. Uh, once again, you know, it's it's so it's so fun to be on here. And we have two very new guests. Um, the first uh, guest, new guest, is uh, <clears throat> the significant other of one of our members, Eden Prosser. Is that right? Yep. Hey, everyone. Uh, super excited to be making my Gold Derby Horses debut. And uh, yeah, really excited to be here. And then the last guest, not a can attendee, but an international film expert of sorts and friend of a previous guest of the podcast, Matt, Mr. And I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Arno Weissenberger. 
Uh, yeah, that works for me. Uh, good, good to be here. All right. So you, you guys can pretty much already tell what this is about. This is about 2023 Cannes Film Festival three weeks later. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you already know the kit. This is a, you know, very, very organized uh, podcasting. And uh, yeah, let's just, uh, let's just go ahead and get started here. So <clears throat> we have a very unique episode because the past couple of years that we've been doing these recaps, Hunter was the only person who had actually gone to Cannes. This time, though, we have our, our regular in, um, co-founder, Tristan, who went along with his, uh, you know, his, his partner in crime, Eden. Um, all three of them went to the Three Days in Cannes thing. And yeah, there's a whole lot to talk about, a whole lot of buzz coming to get in. Let's just, let's just jump right into it. So we're going to do this the same way that we've been doing this, which is going down the pecking order by film festivals. So let's start with the Palm Door winner. Actually, no, Film Festival Awards. My apologies. We'll start with the Palm Door winner, Anatomy of a Fall. I think all of you saw this. So just, 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 just dive right into it. Mm-hmm. Well, it was, um, it's, it's definitely, it was between that and zone of interest for the Palm Door. And this was the one I predicted to win on it because it is a movie that, uh, unlike zone of interest, which is a very love it or hate it kind of thing. I don't think anyone hates that movie, but there is, um, there's a contingent that might not like it. Zone of it or anime fall is quite the, um, entertaining is maybe not the, the, the most descriptive word, but it is just a really entertaining and well-made and just flawlessly acted movie as well in terms of Sandra Wheeler's main performance I mean it is a kind of a crime that can cannot give out multiple awards to one movie because her not winning best actress is kind of a uh, kind of a crime in and of itself even though the film still walked away with an award so yeah it's basically um, an HBO prestige courtroom drama a whole season of that condensed into 150 minutes of just twists and turns and things going this way and then you know intent and uh, perspective and just questions about anything like that and did she actually commit this crime and if she didn't did she really want to do it anyway and you know it's it's just one of those movies that keeps you guessing the whole way through and you're just magnetized to it and i was happy to watch it it was like the ninth movie i had seen then and usually by that point i'm you're hitting a kind of a lull in terms of this but this was an energizer so I was very satisfied with it. The, when you say a HBO prestige drama, I, I kind of picture a, uh, an aesthetic form to, to the film that isn't particularly full of personality or intention. But I, mm-hmm. I don't get the sense from the reviews that that's what, what the, the film is, uh, even if I've gotten that vibe from uh, Justine Tria's previous works. Uh, but would you say that this film is, does have its own kind of mark? Yeah, no, this one is, um, it's kind of that in terms of more substance, I would say, in terms of, because this movie is packed with, like, just so much things going on within it. There's a new revelation every couple minutes, and then there's something else going on. So it is, like, kind of a season's worth of show, and it's just really just well-crafted, kind of that prestige kind of, you know, where this could, you could see the more casual mass entertainment version of this story being made but then this is a little more 
elevated form of just a courtroom drama that you would normally see. See, That's kind of what I think of it as. When you said HBO, I kind of thought Succession for a moment. I mean, it's I, it's 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 that uh, with you know, it's just it's it's a better version of anything uh, that there is. And when I I usually equate HBO with like high quality. I, obviously, there's a style to HBO shows as well, but this is just like just really high quality filmmaking for this usually could be lesser genre that we've kind of the, the tried and true. You, when you hear courtroom drama, you know what you're usually getting, but this is the better elevated version of that. I, I see what you're saying though. Like there's been kind of a fascination with like true crime and courtroom dramas and stuff in television recently. And this definitely, I think appeals to that crowd, but it's also it's elevated and, and I think it's less focused on um, like the whodunit aspect and whether or not like she was the one who committed the crime and more on perspective and like, I, I think it takes a really interesting approach in analyzing her character and how like, tiny little details can shift your perspective in terms of like whether or not you thought that she, she was the one who committed the crime. So it's, it's an, it's a really interesting take on the, uh, on the courtroom drama. And I think a lot of that is due to like Holler's performance and how she like just slight like facial expressions and stuff and how she like completely transforms. Um, it kind of reminded me her performance of what um, Kate Blanchett was doing in Tar. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of like the transformation of that character and, and how your perspective of her shifts throughout the film, just based on like small little interactions and how it builds and builds and builds. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a really good movie. It was one of my favorites at the fest. Um, and I see completely why this one, the palm, I think it's, it's one that's going to appeal to a lot of people within the art crowd uh, just because of the way that it, um, it elevates the, that, courtroom drama type uh, genre but also um i think it it has some callbacks to like hitchcock type films and noir and it, it has a classic feel to it but i also mm-hmm. think it, it's really entertaining and i think it's one that um like anyone can really enjoy so i i i could see it making a splash at the oscars especially within the best actress race i think we're going to see sandra huller we'll get to that be, oh sorry <laughs> Yeah. I mean, this oh, is yeah, not especially ahead of myself. We can't not talk about especially it. Especially with Neon on board uh, of the film. Yeah, yeah. I, I do have some say, thoughts. I do have some. I do have some thoughts. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, would you guys? I'm just curious. Would you guys? Uh, um, with all the films you've seen of Can at Can, you probably haven't seen the whole competition slate. With, but with the slate of films you guys have seen, would are you guys um, in agreement with this film getting the Palm Door? Uh, which means it doesn't get any other prizes uh, instead of, you know, say, uh, perhaps a, an appropriate best actress prize, maybe even matched with a screenplay prize or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those where I that was one of my almost reservations. I did. Pre- I mean, I predict this while it was there right before they announced it, but it was between it. But I predicted it. But the, the hesitation I had was like, can they really just not give Sandra Huller best actress? I think that would be something they just couldn't. The jury couldn't live without doing. And that's why one of the maybe the obstacles that had to winning the Palm Door is like, I think they just have to give Sandra Huller best actress and then zone of interest in Palm Door. But they didn't, which is uh was, well, was a good, I mean, it's gonna happen but that's true it, it, yeah i i i 
Yeah, I, this was one of those movies that everybody was talking about. It's kind of that where everybody was talking about it and could appreciate it and watch it. And it's a little bit kind of like uh, my might be jumping the gun here as well. The Triangle of Sadness last year with Neon, where it's a you know European festival movie, but then can translate at least a little bit to American audiences to the less internationally inclined people that are you know knowing what can is in and out it's it's i mean i think the movie is like almost they've they've assured that it can compete for best foreign language film but it is really close in terms of how much english is in this movie actually in uh, in terms of if it can qualify for that well from what i understand what i might what i do understand is that i think i do know i like i i think tony erdman had a similar issue and that was still eligible Mm-hmm. and it was not yeah this so yeah. yeah and this this one does have there is a clear narrative reason why there is um so much english in the movies because sandra Hur's character is from germany and she doesn't speak french all of that well and english is like the common language everybody understands so there's a yeah narrative reason to why it goes and that, yeah, that's kind of part sense. of the movie is the the use of different languages and it's part of her character as part of the mystery as well so it fits within it and uh, they, the producers and the, even the neon said that it would qualify. And so it's, I would presume uh, again, maybe jumping mm. the gun a little, presume that it would be the French submission. <laughs> yeah. If it's not, I would probably assume the pot to fall, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. later. Yeah. Um, Eden, what are you, what are your thoughts on it? We'll, we'll, t- we'll get to you before we get to Oscar, Oscar talk. I mean, Hunter and Tristan have pretty much covered all that I was going to say. Um, I absolutely agree. Very strong movie. One of my favorites at the festival. Um, I think the script is also something that has to be commended throughout. Um, on paper, a two and a half hour courtroom drama, second act of which is literally just 40 minutes in a courtroom, uh, doesn't mm-hmm. sound like the most exciting, accessible film. And yet I was captivated the entire time. A lot of it is, again, as they were saying, due to the performance. Um but I think the script was really sharp. Sorkin-esque is almost the comparison that comes to mind. And it just mm. constantly leaves you zipping from scene to scene and revelation to revelation. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Nice. I did. I did. I do like you say it's Sorkin-esque. That. It's kind of like a Sorkin movie. And um, one of my favorites last year was St. Omer. That's a very much a courtroom drama. But that's the more, I don't want to say art house version of courtroom drama, where that's very much it's. Own yeah it's a very thing. subtle film yeah very subtle this is that's like this is like kind of a yeah. sorkin trial of chicago seven you know might have complications that movie but like the the more entertaining version of that movie plus saying aware combined together where it's yeah it kind of sounds like the writing is a bit like a more uh it it, it appeals more to like the non-art crowd but it's like very artfully mm-hmm. directed yeah so yeah it's it's very well directed in the it, it's it's very yeah it's it's i mean like i said an elevated version of this story which i will say the film very- of her of just just justine trier of justine trier's that i watched for the parallel challenge uh Sibyl, it wasn't horrible but it, it it just like it was really it, it was a nothing burger to, to put it mm-hmm. to put it lightly it, it i just like didn't really feel like it um i don't know if i should say it didn't amount to anything but like it it's just very mid and i'm sure arno could probably co- corroborate on that 
Yeah, I think... I'm more. I mean, I I saw it closer to when uh, the film released back in 2019. So um, uh, my memory might not be uh, the best, but I guess maybe that speaks to the film's perhaps unmemorability, at least in my view. Uh, I think it's a mm-hmm. great concept. I think the actors are fantastic. I think. Oh yeah, the acting is great. Um, uh, and and uh, you know to kind of parallel with um, with uh, Anatomy of a Fall, there's a great use of multiple languages and how characters. I mean, Senator Huller is there too, um, but uh, she is. But to me, I actually thought the the you know the the mise en scène, the directing of the film, uh, gave like left me desiring more. I I, I thought um, it was uh, executed rather blandly. Um, or yeah. uh, you know the 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 choices of uh, how to shoot certain scenes uh, d- didn't inspire me particularly. Maybe on a rewatch, I'd get a little bit more out of it. I don't know, but uh, I, I did not get that great of a first impression upon seeing it. But I do know uh, a French critic who absolutely loves the film, so I kind of want to give it a chance, especially now that Trier seems to be a um, a more important voice, and also because I rather enjoyed her the, the film she did before called uh, In Bed with Victoria, um, which also stars uh, Virginie Fira, uh, just like Sibyl does, um, and uh, mm-hmm. that was you know a straightforward French comedy, but uh, very well executed, very funny, um, very well directed, uh, even if uh, a little bit unambitious uh, in some respects. So um, maybe I didn't give her enough credit, uh, and because I, I, uh, uh, clearly uh, she's she's going places, and especially with Neon on her yeah. back with this one, where we'll be hearing a lot about this film. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm not going to judge just Justine Trier on the one film of hers that I've watched. Um, I I will say this now. Um, as we get further into um, this one, Anatomy of a Fall has notable, has like remarkably better reviews than Sibyl does. Like Sibyl, which I think was also in competition for the Palme d'Or, um, that movie has like a 50 something on Metacritic. This has like almost a 90. So that's pretty, that's pretty interesting as far as that goes. So when we get into this uh, Oscar conversation here, I, I have this prediction. I don't know if it's a bold prediction necessarily, but it's one that I think I would like to see more people kind of catch on to. And I have my reasoning for this. I think as of today, which is June 12th, that Anatomy of a Fall is going to get a Best Picture nomination. Mm. I am not saying this. I want to let me clarify. I I am not saying this because Neon did it with Triangle last year. Because if if I were saying that, then I would be negating um, the fact that, you know, they also had Teton, which won the Palme d'Or, and that didn't even get shortlisted for international feature. (laughs) So, yeah, that that's a very um, like that. That would not be a good reason. We could also say we kind of know why Teton didn't latch on to Oscar voters. If you just, you know, we, we all watched the movie. It's, I mean, uh, yeah, but it's, like, it's, a, it's a total thing. Yeah, yeah, but like still, like it doesn't mean like, just, like if I were to say like, oh, well, Neon did it with Triangle last year, I would kind of still be negating that. And I also think like saying, well, well this happened last year, so it's going to happen again this year. It's just kind of a bad reason to predict things in general. Um, mm-hmm. here, here, here's my reason for this. 
let's look at what it's already contending in. So international feature, assuming it's eligible, assuming it's submitted, it's getting nominated. Like, I don't really think there's any, um, anyone trying to deny that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's number no, yeah, that, that, that's the I have it time. as de facto front runner at the very, 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 very early moment as it is right now. But over zone of interest? Um, depending on what country would submit zone of interest, I mean, I, it we'll, we'll get totally to that, matter, I guess. But we'll yeah, get into it a little can. bit. I, I do. Well, I do think there's an angle for anatomy to take it, but that well, that's a whole yeah. that's a conversation for a different for a different time. Very close, though. Here's number two. People are already catching on to the idea that Sandra Huller is like actually like a serious, legitimate best actress contender. I think, I think she is. I think for sure. Like I think um, bef- like right after the movie premiered, I, I would have assumed like, okay, well, I mean, she's no Penelope Cruz, but she's, she's not Renata Reinsvay either. And, you know, because Renata was like, that was a worst person was a huge breakout for her. Huge. Like nobody in the world knew who she was. Not even her family knew who she was. Okay. That's mean. Um, But um, yeah, like it's a, like, it was just a big breakout moment for her. Sandra Huller, she's never been nominated for an Oscar, but she's known on the international scene. She's been in Oscar nominated films. She is not completely unknown. She's not Penelope Cruz, but she's well known enough to where people can see her and they can see her previous work and they can go, oh, well, this is a very prolific, very talented actress. Maybe she deserves a spot. It's kind of like um, Rizuke Hamaguchi for Driving My Car in a way, where he wasn't like a name on the international scene, but he had all these other films to kind of back up this idea that he's a really talented director. Like he had Asako 1 and 2, he had Happy Hour, he had all these other films. I mean, this happens every once in a while, and I'm not saying these are like exact compare comparisons to uh, to Sandra Huller, but you have these European actresses, um, uh, actresses especially actually, who uh, uh, star in, in European films, usually in primarily in, in, a, in a foreign language and get nominated all the way. You know, the earliest uh, from the last decade I can think of is uh, Emmanuel Riva for Amour, yes. um, which, you know, um, she's a much older uh, actress, much, you know, a bigger filmography, much more respected in the long run. But, you know, Cooler has her, uh, her, um, you know, her, um, she has credibility. her fans as well. So, so there's that, uh, I know Mario, Mario, I don't know why I'm speaking in Marion Cotillard, um, uh, was nominated two years later, although she had already won. So, you know, she was already in the club. Mm-hmm. Isabel Huppert, uh, nominated two years after that, although you could argue she was already in the club and she definitely, uh, has more of a track record than Sandra Huller does. But, you know, these kinds of things happen all the way until Penelope Cruz, uh, two years ago, right? So the, yeah. these things are not um, uh, brand new. The thing about it is, too, is that I think every year, well, there's actually two points to this. Every year, like, we, we, we get to think in the mindset, like, at the very beginning, where, like, we, we just predict everyone who always gets nominated to get the nominations. And then they don't happen. And, it, and it's someone who you, you don't usually expect. Like... <laughs> Like last year, Margot Robbie was predicted to win for Babylon for 
like a large portion of the year until you know Tar premiered at Venice, and then she didn't even get nominated. And who gets nominated instead? Andrea Riseborough for two less. <laughs> True. The the real we she was predicted until people saw the movie. Well, I, I mean for a win, not not just to get nominated, is what I'm saying. Um, oh, right. You also had like, like you know Lady Gaga, like she was predicted all year for House of Gucci, and then she she doesn't get in, and you know you see Penelope Cruz, you see Kristen Stewart happen. Um, I mean, even the year before, Kate Winslet for Ammonite totally getting nominated, right? No. Um, Carrie Mulligan wasn't even in people's top tens for a while, and then boom, she she's I mean she she was in a Best Picture nominee, but what? she still yeah. like managed to get in over Kate Winslet. So I think this is kind of like we could see something similar here. Where like right now people are like Jessica Lange for Long Days Learning Tonight, Annette Benning, Naya, Kate Winslet again for Leah, Carrie Mulligan for Maestro, but it's like okay, if you have Sandra Huller who is giving like an amazing performance in this movie that is getting nominated for international could even get nominated for best picture. And these other four actresses, like they've been nominated before or, or even have won before, but aren't really doing like super amazing work. All four of them could miss out and Sandra Huller could be in instead. So that's just something that happens. Mm-hmm. I get what you mean. It totally was, um, because right now at this point, uh, like you said, m- you know, about three quarters of the movies were predicting barely have even images or trailers, anything. So the only thing we go off is paper, which is basically narratives and what we think will happen. If, if it's already right. happened, well, then we predict that it'll happen again. It's like the stock market where it's like, well, it went up this time, so it should go up again. Well, really, we don't know that until it actually happens, which we have to just play the waiting game for that one. And right now we know the performance that Sandra Huller gives. So there's a lot uh, there. We can both uh, over predict it because it's the only thing we actually know is she's giving a great performance and we're comparing it to our paper ones. Uh, you know, as you know, we predict that Carrie Mogan give a great performance and I would probably think that's true, but it also helps out to know that Sandra Huller is the real deal here. And we have now six to nine months where bang that drum and tell you know people know this is a performance that should be seriously considered yes. even when you know other the big hitters will come around later on exactly one and thing, I, ahead, one thing that i think about like so last year we had nina haas who mm-hmm. you know is a, another pretty well-respected german actress and we had okay. um all quiet on the western front and I think with that, there's been the German film industry, I think, has been having a bit of a boost. And we could see Sandra Huller um, potentially capitalize off that and um, potentially, I mean, obviously, she's going to get a nomination based on the merits of her own performance. But I think there was a push for Nina Haas. And I think they have like a similar level of respect in term in, within their the German film industry. And I think um, it could help her get in. And there could be conversation around, um, you know, her getting a nomination because Nina wasn't able to. Perhaps, perhaps. 
It's also um. I, I really don't <clears throat> see the correlation here. I, I like your optimism, but I really don't see a correlation, especially since Tar is like primarily. Uh, I mean, I realize it's a German co-production, but primarily a, uh, an American film, and then on top of that, Anatomy of Fall, other than Sandra Huller being the lead, is entirely a French production. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's just I, I think there's been a bit of a spotlight on on the German film industry because of you know those two actresses being in the conversation as well as um, All Quiet on the Western Front. But that's what and, I'm saying. I'm saying it's not the film industry; it's the actors being German, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think just I know they're in films from other countries. It's just the well, All Quiet, that industry in general. If I'm not mistaken, actually, no. I was about to say it was the first German film not for international since. Uh, Tony, I remember, but then I remembered Never Look Away was submitted by Germany. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's still like, um, I, I mean, I, I, I largely agree with Arno. Like, I mean, I don't really see how the German film industry rising really compares to this. I don't like, I mean, the I South Korean I, I don't think it's, film industry look, boomed with Parasite was coming out, but we didn't. Okay, well, we didn't I mean, nominate. Minari, I know. Yeah, yeah no, look, but like, it's not. It's not going to get her a nomination, but I think that could be a, a topic of conversation going into the race. Sure, if it's if it's if it's a topic of conversation, like okay, like like that that maybe that could be a thing. I mean, I mean it, it's kind of like Parasite winning did raise the awareness for decision to leave, and partially it didn't work, but people maybe considered it a little more. It's just that thing people are talking more about these movies and performances and more. Yeah, uh, look, looking towards them than they used to. It used to be they didn't, you know, barely register at all. At least people are giving them a glance and a chance. Sure. If it's a five percent, yeah, for sure. If anything, Parasite must have really helped Minari. Um, yeah, and, I was going to uh, say that too. And and yeah. to a, a larger extent, perhaps even past lives this year, we'll see. But um, yeah. I really do see Sandra Holler. Just that I, I guess I'll put my my two cents into it. I really see Sandra Holler being like one of, if not the definitive uh, critics' favorite nomination. She's winning at least one uh, for this year's best actress. At race. least one. Um, more so than Greta Lee or some of the other actress. We'll we'll, we'll see uh, later this year. M maybe I'm wrong. We'll see if something really comes out of Venice that even uh, tops her. But I think she's going to be pretty safely in the top five. Uh, give it another six months and we'll just have her locked in. I also think there is a possibility. I'm not, I'm not predicting it at the moment, but I do think there is a possibility that Sandra Hooker could, could, could go on and, and win in the end. But we're yeah. going to save that conversation for a different time. Oh. I do want to um, ask if you do say... Um... Not that I'm challenging you. If you ask, uh, you say uh, Anatomy of Fall will have a Best Picture nomination. Well, we've kind of gone through these last, you know, all these times. If you want a Best Picture nomination, you also have a directing and this is what I'm about to get a, into so. a screenplay nomination. So you take it away. I want. I'm. I'm curious, enthusiastically curious as to what you will uh, predict well, that goes along. Well, here with comes that. the third point. Okay. With, if you look at the original screenplay lineup, it's kind of like ass right now <laughs> if you look at the just kind of looking at the field uh, that's true i have a lot of people that are like past winners slash like oh yeah they yeah there's like past lives for may december you know. and that'd be fall air saltburn i mean it's it's bad enough to where like Bystro has to be in the top 10 yeah it's one um, where i think everybody i have on here has already been nominated or in that club it was like well they can't so, all be it's not gonna be everybody <laughs> By further extent, 
with it be with the with the field being dog water right now, this kind of has to be in the top ten because it has a screenplay that is incredibly fantastic, and it's like a script that like. From what I understand, is supposed to be like. Um, it was one of the best of the uh, of the festival, and as you say, Hunter, it's like very much like a like a courtroom, like a courtroom drama, and like almost every courtroom drama has gotten a best picture nomination, has gotten a screenplay nomination, so it definitely makes a lot of sense. And if like that screenplay is praised, like I mean, even like worst person in the world got a screenplay nomination, didn't get any precursors whatsoever. And yeah, I could see it slipping into screenplay. There's a little bit of ambiguity around the third act, and I worry if that's going to alienate viewers a little bit. Um, but if it is going to go anywhere, I would certainly see it in screenplay over director. I wouldn't be surprised if it slips in there. So. If it's getting in the international, it's getting an actress, it's potentially getting in screenplay. Those three alone are reason enough to predict it in best picture. It's a pretty good package. At least in the top 15. Like, I would definitely have it above films like Ferrari or The Killer or Poor Things, Mexico Wins, etc., etc. And Ultimately, I think the reason like it gets in the top 10, this is like the, the broader point. I think every year there's a film, usually like in the weeks leading up to its premiere, but sometimes a little bit after it premieres, where there's just so much buzz that really builds up for the film. And it really starts to feel like this is going to be an awards thing. This is going to get a Best Picture nomination. This is going to be like this and that and the other thing. I very vividly remember this happening with Parasite, where it premiered, it got like rave reviews, it won the Palm d'Or, and in the weeks after it premiered, like buzz just kept building up, building up. Parasite, you got to see Parasite, got to see Parasite, got to see, Par- see Parasite, and then by September, you were like, "This is getting a, into picture, isn't it? Like this is going to get a Best Picture nomination." Of course, we 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 couldn't foresee what would eventually become of it. But it, it was something that really felt like it could actually happen. And you know what's going to be a huge point for, for the, the, the success of their campaign? It's going to be Sandra Fuller. And I'm not talking about the performance. I'm talking about like her on you know doing a bunch of interviews and getting her personality out there. And because people are going to fall in love with Sandra Fuller in the film, they're going to want to know more about her and they want to fall in love with her outside the film. And I think that's good. And that's I something you could say that hard everything everywhere all at once last year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the same way that like, I mean, not the same way. Um, Justine Triet like comes off to me as a little bit cold um, and, uh, you know, m- might not be the most like glowing, uh, charismatic person of all time. Um, um, whereas, you know, uh, Bong Joon-ho in, like really carried the, ca- the, the, the campaign of Parasite through his sheer enthusiasm for cinephilia. Um, and then I think Sandra Huller can be that, um, that beam, you know, for, for the, that beacon for the film. 
uh, if uh, if they campaign her right, you know, outside the film as well. People really fall in love with her specifically. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. But I think the, like the broader point of making is like, it, it's just a feeling. You just hear people talking about it. You got to see this movie, you got to see this movie, you got to see this movie. And it's like, oh, it's going to get a Best Picture nomination. Um, it happened sometimes before the film too, where it happened like the same year as Parasite with Marriage Story. I remember it happened with Marriage Story. Before the movie premiered, people were just talking about how Marriage Story is apparently like the Bob Mack's best film. It's apparently like this amazing like um, film that everyone needs to see. Like Netflix is going to really, like Netflix knows what they have here. And even before the movie premieres, it's like, this is getting Best Picture nomination, isn't it? Like it's going to be nominated for picture and you know actors and screenplay um people were already saying like laura dern is going to be the front runner for supporting actress by that point it's, it's just something that kind of happens and it happened i think a little bit um a couple years ago too with belfast where like before that movie premiered it really started to feel like okay this is going to be like a big oscar bait thing apparently like it's very crowd pleasing and like this could like very easily get a best picture nomination I just remember it happens. It happened with Nomadland too. I remember this is kind of like a similar situation where, like, you know, it's after it's a few weeks after the movie premieres. More comical to Parasite, but you just hear more people like Anatomy of a Fall. That's a great movie. Sandra Huller is amazing, and the screenplay is amazing. You've got to see this film that won the Palme d'Or. And I feel like by September, if that buzz really, really continues, then I think it's going to get a Best Picture nomination. And I think but it must be by proxy oh, go ahead. sorry well not by proxy but by extension i do think just justine trier needs to be in the top 10 for director at least because even if the directing is not like super showy i don't i don't i don't think drive my car is necessarily a showy something like a cold war or another round but i think what really helped that get into the director was the directing of the actors and that's something that could benefit this film too one thing I'd be most curious about is the reemergence of the film at the fall festivals. Uh, I yes. could easily see it playing at TIFF, uh, Telluride, maybe New York Film Festival. Like when it goes there, uh, obviously, Tristan, you saw Triangle of Sadness at TIFF. It was one of the buzzier films there. It was yeah. even while other everything else was premiering for the first time. This movie is coming back again. And it's still one of the bigger films there. So I'd be curious as to how they program it at TIFF and how it plays there, which could be a very strong sign of its legs to survive a few more months till nominations start. That That's a really good point. The uh, The Palme d'Or winners that play TIFF that tend to, you know, be players at the Oscars tend to do really well at TIFF. Like both Parasite and Triangle had these huge premieres where, I mean, I, I wasn't at the Parasite premiere, but I heard that... Um, it just got this huge uh, standing ovation. I think it placed that year too. Yeah. And then Triangle, I remember um, it It played at, I think, 930 at night and people were going crazy and it was such an interactive crowd and being in that crowd, it, it was electric. And I, I felt like, okay, this is probably going to get into the Oscar conversation. So if it has a premiere like that and audiences really respond well to it, um, I think I'm going to start being a little less hesitant to predict it. Because right now I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence. I could see it going either way. Um, I mean, I think Hula certainly, yeah, I think Hula certainly is in the conversation. And I, I, I'd be a little surprised if she didn't make it in because there is so much talk about her performance. And I, I think Arnaud said that, um, you know, she, she's probably going to win a lot of um, 
Critics Awards, and I, I could see her being the critic starling this season. So if that's the case, she's getting in. But I, I really, I, I think um, if it has, you know, a really good fall festival um, presence, then I, I, I think we're going to see uh, the film come along with Hula. More broadly, you know, whether it's the Palme d'Or winner or not, there's always like one or two films uh, that premiered in Cannes, usually that premiered in Cannes, sometimes other festivals, uh, but usually that premiered in Cannes that go on to have a really major spotlight put on it at TIFF uh, slash Telluride. Um, and, uh, and the film just immediately, you know, it was kind of uh, dormant for a bit. It was uh, hibernating for a bit and then it just gets reawakened like crazy. Uh, and of course we think of uh, Parasite and uh, Triangle to a certain extent last year, uh, uh, which were both Palme d'Or winners, but I, I can also think of uh, Fantastic Woman uh, from 2017, which, uh, you know, granted that's a Berlin film, uh, but it got reawakened like crazy at TIFF. It was like, oh, this is a huge contender. Um, and uh, when went to uh, win, win an Oscar. So, um, you know, whether, uh, assuming that the zone of interest, right? And right now I'm kind of assuming the zone of interest is not going to play TIFF because A24 is a bit weird and picky. Um, I think uh, An Anatomy of a Fault could be the kind of highlight can resurfacing film. Uh, maybe, maybe they, May, December as well, but um, I, I guess we'll get there. Yeah. And um, I mean, that, that's, my, that's my ultimate point. Like, I, like you just kind of see like, the things it can get nominated for, the things it could like potentially could potentially happen for, it, and also just like just the people who talk about the movie, like you need to see this film, you need to see this film, you need to see this film. Uh, I mean, again, I mean, the, even despite Seville like not being a movie that I really liked that much, I'm kind of excited to see it. I think it, 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 it like I saw a clip from it that I think the Can YouTube channel put out, and it's like okay, this looks this looks pretty pretty rock solid here. So um, I am very excited to see the film. And I think uh, some of the points they said about anatomy could be used in favor of the next film we will be discussing. So I think, I think, we're, I think we're good to move on now. <clears throat> Let's now discuss the Grand Prix winner, the film that was predicted by many to win the Palme d'Or, myself included. And, uh, the, and it losing is the reason I am never predicting the consensus palm again. Uh, the Zone of Interest by one Jonathan Glazer. And I think the people who saw it on this podcast are a little bit divided on it. Yes, I didn't want to spoil our divide when I mentioned it earlier. So I uh, uh, I guess I'll take it away. This was actually my favorite film of the festival. Not, I will say by far, but it was a comfortable margin between this and everything else, I think, in terms of just the movie that I like the most and also I've thought about the most. I have not, I think every day since I have, at least this thing has reemerged in my head since I have seen it every day. And now the problem is there's rumors it doesn't come out till November, December. So I have to wait another six months to watch it again. And to the, 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 the thought of wanting to watch this movie again is, especially with what kind of movie it is, is kind of proves that how much I really enjoyed it. That is such a radical departure from the Holocaust subgenre or even the book that it's based on. I mean, I read, I've not read the book. I read the Wikipedia article on the book and I was like, this is like um, not even the same story at all. It's 
I compared it to kind of a little bit of Kubrick taking on the Holocaust. It's similar to this Kubrick's Shining movie is way different than the book. Uh, that's Stephen King's book. This is the same that where Jonathan Glazer's film is so much different and not even comparable to the book it's based on, but it's almost better for it and everything. So obviously we can talk about this movie forever. So I'll kick it over to the other side of the spectrum in terms of liking it over to Tristan then. Yeah. Um, I certainly understand the appeal and why people respond to this so positively um it wasn't for me personally uh i i think it's one that i need to see again because i saw it at a time where um i had seen so many films and i sandwiched it between i think like three or four other movies that day and it's one that i think i really need to to give the time to just let sit with me and i i wasn't able to um so i'm excited to see it once it comes out in the fall but um yeah, I, I had a hard time resonating with this one. I, I understand what Blazer was trying to do, um, but it's it's completely inaccessible. And I feel like the the can crowd um, is going to eat a movie like this up. But once it hits the um, the Oscar circuit, I'm I don't know. I'm a little concerned. I don't I don't see it um, really. And look, I, I know that we've had films that aren't typical Oscar contenders um, become Oscar contenders from the Cannes Film Festival, like Drive My Car. But this is one that I think is going to appeal to certain tastes, um, but you're going to have a lot of people that just are not on board with it um, or respect it, but but really aren't able to connect with it. So um, we'll get to that. Yeah, I know I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes in terms of Oscars, because I think it's pretty firmly in there for international. Um, but I don't know if it, it gets out of the international conversation. We'll have to see. Yeah, I do agree with that. Um, I also completely agree with what you're saying about the accessibility. I'm more on Tristan's side of things. I didn't connect to it as much as I'd hoped. Uh, I know there was a lot of buzz going into it. It was one of our most excited of the festival. Um, yeah, it's, I understand what Glazer was going for. I think it works in bursts it's very impactful it is the kind of film that sticks with you because of how i don't know disturbing in an unexpected way it is i think he tackles the subject matter um very effectively i also felt that it felt more like a bunch of spliced vignettes than it did an actual through line and that made it hard for me to connect to the story i do have to preface this by saying i missed the first 10 minutes um, I, I did walk into the movie late, but from what I did see of it, which was the majority of it, uh, I don't know. I thought it was cold. And even though I understand the part of that was the intention, I did find it incredibly inaccessible. And I wonder what TIFF audiences, which are more made up of the public or the general audience, once it's officially released, will think of it. Well, I could um, tell you, spoil a little bit. The first five minutes of the movie is just a black screen. So you didn't miss a whole lot, I guess. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is part of the inaccessibility of the movie. And one of the things I love about it is it opens with just a black screen and music playing. And it's just like, it's like an overture. It's, it's, it's something that happens, but it's very much 
when you start to like realize like oh this is the movie we're starting now and so everything and i also feel bad because that was the movie you guys waited that very hot day you waited outside and committed to the whole thing and you didn't uh get rewarded with a great movie i guess that could be part of it honestly we we were waiting for what three hours i think um yeah in the hot sun and like it was also again like sandwiched between a bunch of other movies so it, mm-hmm. it, it i think it's one that i i need to see again and and give the time to really like analyze um because it it is a little cold and and calculated but it's also like it's it's clear that blazer is a pretty brilliant filmmaker and and um what he what he's doing here is is pretty unprecedented i i don't think we've seen another um holocaust drama or film that you know takes place during world war one that takes this uh, sorry world war two that takes this specific um perspective um and visually i mean um the cinematography is pretty incredible and just like under the skin um the the score is is really riveting and interesting and i haven't really heard um a score like that especially used in, in a film like this I mean, last year we had a, a film uh, start with seven minutes of end credits uh, backwards. So True. I don't think uh, five minutes of black screen is uh, that it's not too far of, off. The, of the norm mm. uh, for Academy members if they could uh, if they could uh, tough through that. Uh, it, I mean, I, I realized the ex- uh, inaccessibility thing, um, and uh, you know that's something we'll have to keep in mind for sure. Uh, on uh, just a general conceit and concept level, like this is this film is extraordinary. Uh, this is the kind of thing you can pitch and people are going to be like, oh my God, that is something I need to have on my radar. Um, it's, uh, it's something that's very exciting for people, even if the film itself obviously is not particularly uh, exciting, uh, purposefully uh, so. I, I really think this has a lot of potential uh, based on what I hear from it uh, to to be a, an, uh, a kind of um, weirdly an Oscar darling, even if, uh, you know, it, it doesn't actually end up like winning Best Picture or anything like that, just uh, purely on the basis that it's going to have, it's going to be the film to have the most critic support. This is a 98 on Metacritic at the moment. It can change, certainly. But uh, if it maintains around that score, this is like boyhood uh, moonlight level praise, you know? Um, this is uh, really, really something when you have critics that much on on the side of the film. Uh, and, you know, that's the critics speaking, but obviously that's a, a big part of the Academy as well. Uh, not like critics, but, you know, people who tend to think that way or who will like the film uh, to that uh, extent. And you just need a, a good 5% or more uh, people who absolutely love this film, right, to, to get a Best Picture nomination. I think this is uh, going to be a, a pretty major player um, um, as far as nominations go, uh, just on the basis of there being a, a really big fan base. Uh, fan base. It's not a it's not a film for a fan base, but you know, yeah, uh, just a lot of support going towards uh, this film in general. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think the fact that it is so unique and unlike any movie that's ever been made is something that helps the movie. Um, I think this is like something that like, 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 I mean, and I'm not trying to compare these two movies because it's like, I understand that there's differences here, but like with everything everywhere, like when that movie started getting Oscar, I was like, Oh, could this get nominated for best picture? The doubters were like, it's way too fucking weird, dude. Like there's like hot dog fingers, there's rocks with googly eyes and there's all this crazy shit. Like it's like a, a Tumblr post or something. 
But I think part of the reason that helped it and part of the reason ultimately did win Best Picture in the end was because it was unlike any movie that's ever been made. Um, Very, very much so. Like, I mean, obviously it's not a completely original movie because no movie is, but it's still like very much, very, very different from any film that's ever like actually been made. And I'm sure the zone of interest is in a similar situation where like, yes, it's much more artsy. It's much more inaccessible than everything everywhere. And I don't think it's going to win best picture, but I think the fact it is so unique and it does, it it apparently like the way it approaches its subject matter, apparently, I think that's going to help it. I think it's going to help it like stick in people's minds. And it's another one of those things where it's like the buzz builds for it, builds for it, builds for it, builds for it based on like what, what people say about it to where like eventually like it's going to get a best picture nomination. And one thing that like is also interesting, he really doesn't like with drive my car, like, I mean, it, it has a, a similar audience. It has a, a similar audience to something, some something like Triangle maybe. And I get those are moves that like are more accessible, but it's appealing to that type of crowd. And I think also like the fact that people admire the film so much, even if they don't love it, they respect it. That is something that also helps uh, certain films in the conversation. And as Arno said, 98 on Metacritic, this, like I, I really struggle to see, like unless it like gets like after sunned or something, I struggle to see how critics don't like shower this movie in Best Picture Awards. And even if it, like it, it misses Golden Globe and mix it misses Critic Choice, whatever, BAFTA could throw a big fucking party for it, like if we're all quiet and it gets in that way. So I think I, there's multiple avenues for this movie to actually happen. And I think like I, I get it, it's inaccessible. I get it, like there's like it's artsy. But I think the uniqueness of it, the fact that there's no movie like it, apparently. I think that's what helps it. I, I think you make a good point because it's certainly going to stand out. And with, you know, with the changing tastes of the Academy and, and the Academy in recent years expanding, um, we, we've seen films that are more unconventional contenders get in and, and do really well in the Oscars. But I think the difference between some of the ones that we've talked about, um, like Drive My Car is a movie I absolutely love. I thought it was the best movie um, nominated that year. I, I thought it should have won. Um, and with that film, yes, it's, you know, it, it, it definitely appeals more to the art house crowd, but I think there's a really strong emotional core. Um, and I, I think this is a movie that a lot of people are going to find very cold or admire more than, um, more than they really love. Um, we'll have to see because, you know, there obviously you can't argue with 98 on Metacritic. That's, that's pretty, impressive um but to to me it kind of reminds me of first reformed which was a film that that got a lot of critical praise but went really pretty much nowhere in terms of the um the awards conversation i did it started to do well at critics groups but it, it, it didn't really make it to the um to the oscars or any of the guilds uh and i don't think this is going to go go quite that route because um it does have it, I, I think it's going to have some strength in the international race, but I don't know if people, I, I think there's going to be a contingent of the Academy that really loves it, 
but I don't know if it's going to be wide enough to get it into, um, you know, some of the major categories and outside of picture and director, I don't see like where it would land. Because it's certainly not sound score. Mm, yeah, that's true. Well, here's the thing I, for score. Is there, because the, the score really it's, it's only in bursts. Like it's, it doesn't play very often throughout the film. Does it have to, does the score have to take up a certain amount of the film? I don't to think be so. eligible. I don't think it so. doesn't. Okay. That's, then I think it could get in. Yeah, it could because yeah, like you said, the score is maybe only 20 minutes long. Honestly, if you really yeah. counted it, it's, it's here and then it's gone and then it's back and then it's gone. And then when you really think about it, there's not much of it, no matter how good it is, it's all kill or no filler, but there's not a lot of, lot of there. Well, but uh, Michael Levi, uh, Levi, uh, Mika Levi, I'm saying that. Sorry, yeah, yes, it has been nominated before, so at least there in the club to talk to 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 be in the conversation for that. Also, another thing, Tristan, you compared to the first reformed. First reformed, A twenty four sat on that thing for like nine months when like it premiered at Venice, and then they released it in like July of twenty eighteen. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it, it like. It was just kind of like it wasn't a great release strategy. With Zone, like they may not send it to TIFF, but I would be very surprised if it doesn't show up at New York Film Festival. Like that, that that seems like something that would play really well there. I think it could go to London, it could go to Telluride. It honestly, honestly, it could go to TIFF. It could definitely go to TIFF. I yeah. mean, we've we this see a lot of canned films that in, do end up paying TIFF. Yeah, and it could. And it could very easily just go go there. So, like, I think um, unless for, for, for some stupid reason, like A24 would need to, like, have their heads so far up their asses that they would be stuck um, to actually, like, sit on this movie for a year or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but unless they were to do that, like, I, I think it's going to, like, hit New York and it's going to hit. Um, it could hit Telluride, it could hit like, you know, a bunch of these other film festivals and like be like, hey, we have this movie that like, you know, won a, a big prize at Cannes that's from a well-known director. You the, know, the simple explanation for their first reform strategy is that the film premiered in Venice, uh, unfortunately for them, didn't win any any prizes, uh, went to Toronto, but didn't make, you know, that big of a splash. Uh, there, uh, the the Toronto audience did not, you know, respond to the film as well as they might have hoped. Uh, so they sat in the film uh, and gave it, you know, gave it an early release the following year, early-ish release uh, the following year, so that it could build momentum for the rest of the year that way. Uh, which uh, instead of opening in, in a busy year uh, already, so that was kind of their strategy there. Uh, whereas Zone of Interest, you know, them playing it can already, you know, this is not an under the Silver Lake. This is a film that actually won a, a, a big prize that uh, is incredibly well received. Um, th- there's no, there's a zero percent chance that this comes out next year. This is a hundred percent something they're gonna they're gonna strategize for and kind of start sprinkling in the fall film festivals uh, and just kind of see how uh, how things play out and how audiences receive it. Uh, I think, you know, we'll see if this plays Toronto. I I, uh, I have a feeling it's not going to because uh, this is not going to play well in Toronto if uh, if it does. Uh, it, it will probably play well at Telluride. It will certainly play well in New York. Uh, it will not play that well in Toronto. Uh, I think they will skip it if I had that uh, for, for that reason. And it'll probably be the, the right decision. 
Yeah. So are we are we are we saying Master Gardener is going to be an a now uh, an Oscar player because they sat on it for this long? That would be. Uh, I hope not. Honestly, well, that's Magnolia. Not, yeah, but it's also not a good movie. So, uh, but yeah, Trader doesn't uh, have the juice. That's true. Yeah, just lock down his Facebook, please. So, but yeah, I, I one thing like you you did say you talked about the cinematography and the sound design, the score, and they're all fantastic in this movie in their own unique ways. The sound design is almost the whole character in this movie in terms of just scenes are playing out, just in total uh, mundane scenes, and the sound design is really telling you what's going on in the background. The cinematography is like surveillance camera kind of work because they actually did place cameras within a house. And I don't know if any of that stuff is, I don't want to say showy enough or just within what the Oscars usually go for, but it helps build the case for Jonathan Glazer as a director for the directing nomination, where I think even if Stone of Interest doesn't get into Best Picture, which I'm on the bubble for as well, no matter how much I love this movie, I'm on the bubble, but I do think Jonathan Glazer is a pretty firm director candidate only because uh, not that it's correlation that the Oscar Best Director branch has loved Cannes films so much, like Cold War, uh, 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 Parasite, uh, even Another Round, which I know there was no Cannes that year, but it was selected for it and would have gone for it, and Drive My Car and Mikhail Hanukkah for a more. They like that kind of international style of directing, that more reserved kind, kind of like even Todd Field last year for Tar even though he's a big name, you could feel the European kind of sensibilities of, of his direction for that. And that branch just loves that kind of stuff. So I could see Glazer really honing in on that and being extremely respected within the branch as well. Even though he's made very little movies, he's quite, you know, a name brand within that community. He's more prolific in theater, I think, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I, I I feel very similarly about this to Anatomy of Fall in the sense that like I think the buzz will just build for it, build for it, build for it to where it's gonna be like, all right, this is happening for picture. It's gonna get like all these nominations. And to answer your question earlier about which treasure would submit it, I have a feeling it would be the UK that would submit it mm-hmm. because I I it's it's my understanding that. Poland doesn't seem likely to submit a non-Polish director, but I don't know. Yeah, I think well, most yeah. of the production, from what I understand, it comes from the UK, which is why I'm betting on this being submitted by the UK. And then, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Poland has perhaps uh, I, I'm forgetting the uh, the peasants, the animated film yeah, from the guys who did uh, Loving Vincent, uh, and then Germany has choice between A Fiore and Perfect Days. Uh, zone of interest is probably a better choice than those three, but you know, uh, the UK, um, you know, like this is a primarily a UK production, it's just that they shot in Poland and uh, part of the production is German, uh, in parts due to the actors. Otherwise, it, it is a UK production, uh, in a foreign language. So, this is this is something I think the UK will want to take advantage of, something they have a they, they don't have a, a lot of opportunities to submit uh, films, you know, quality. Um, uh, big contenders uh, for the Oscars, and they're going to want to take advantage of that. I think. Absolutely, I, I think, like, 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 I think this would definitely like this is most certainly a submission. I think uh, Germany's going to go with Perfect Days, but we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, 
let's um I mean, I think we're all good to go here. I'm very excited for this movie. I think like it, it, it might be in like top ten of your material. It sounds it sounds really amazing. Um, yes, I, I'm very excited for you to watch it, and more people to watch it as well. This spur the debate on supporters, detractors, either or, both right yeah. in their opinions. I have. Um, let's move I, on. To, oh, I'm sorry. You go ahead. No, I was done. I was done. Oh, okay, cool. Um, let's move on to the best director winner, which was uh, Tron on the Hung for the Pot of Fall. Or as um, Arno likes to call it, the passion of a uh, Dodin Buffon. Uh, I hope I pronounced <laughs> that correctly. <laughs> I'm good enough. Good enough. All right. I think um, all of you went to a screening for this film. Well, actually, no. I don't think Hunter did. Uh, no, unfortunately, I did not. And I, I didn't really watch it. So I Eden, saw I think... the beginning. I saw the end. I was also asleep for much of the middle. <laughs> so they they programmed this at eight thirty in the morning, which you know, at least for us, like, um, uh, that was really the only time we were able to, to be able to see it. So, mm-hmm. and after watching what four movies back to back and one of them being about dry grasses, it was very hard to, uh, to stay awake. Um, I really should regret that, that because should have done that. Hennessy. I was so hyped. I know I was so hyped. Should've yeah. Done that Hennessy. Uh, apparently this one's pretty, pretty, pretty good. Well, it's David Ehrlich's uh, favorite movie at can mm-hmm. Give it a nine. Well, well David Ehrlich has interesting choices. Interesting. I, I like him. I like him. I think he's great. I did like what I did see. Um, there's definitely a strong emotional through line in it. The cinematography, the food visualizations are absolutely beautiful. Um, I do think it's going to be a movie that connects to a lot of people. I think it's going to be very heartwarming. And I think you'll find a strong public audience. Uh, I wish I could speak to it more because I feel like it's the type of movie that I'd actually really like. Um, but yeah, having fallen asleep, I don't think I can say much more than that, but I did like what I saw. Uh, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it again as soon as I'm possibly able to. I will say, like, I think the film of his I watched for the Parallel Challenge, which, I mean, which speaking of which, um, I forgot to mention, I watched Sexy Beast for the Zone of Interest in the Parallel Challenge. Great movie, by the way. Ben Kingsley should have won supporting actor for that. Um, uh with the film that i watched here and then uh the scent of green papaya and arno watched it too so he can chime in with his thoughts one thing that i and also the other film of of his i saw which is the adaptation norwegian wood which um not good one thing i can say about this director he's at the very least a very like a very talented director in terms of technical aspects of it the cinematography of both the films of his that i've seen like, d- despite what I actually think of them, like, it's, it's beautiful. The score is always fantastic. All the technical, all the technical elements of his films are, are really good. So I can, I think I can understand, even without watching the film, why he won Best Director, because he does have a very unique visual style. I did like Sense of Green Papaya, but I felt like it was... <sighs> Again, I don't want to say it, it, it amounted to nothing, but it felt like an amount. It's nothing. Like I think there was something that was that was missing that that should have been there. So I don't know. Um, how yeah, I, I guess I can I, I can speak to that a little bit. Um, I I really really enjoyed the scent of green papaya, and uh, I haven't seen. I, I don't think any of us here have seen both the scent of green papaya and uh, la passion de Dodin Buffon. Uh, but um, it, it, it seems to me, based on the, the synopsis I've read of uh, Dodin Buffon, 
um, uh, the scent of the green papaya almost feels like you know uh, the film that was preparing um, for 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 the other one in the sense that you know you have um, you have a character uh, that is kind of uh, the either the maid or or the the cook for uh, another character. And, uh, and you have these meals being prepared uh, very lavishly, very sensually, um, and then it eventually kind of turns into a romance of sorts. Uh, you have uh, those two aspects in both of those films, uh, from, uh, from what I can tell, uh, with uh, Dodin Buffon being a bit more explicitly a love story, whereas uh, Scent of Green Papaya is more of a uh, period piece. But yeah. um, uh, I mean, I, 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 can, I, I can, understand uh the emotion uh or lack thereof that you got uh from the film to me this was a feast and i don't particularly um um need the film to amount to something i'm very open to the film just being kind of a a feast for the senses and this film absolutely is uh my one big my my one reservation about the film is that i feel like actually in the last third it does try to amount to something and i'm not particularly um you're not uh, feeling satisfied it. where where with where it landed um that's yeah really i think that makes sense reservation with the film. yeah that might be what i was feeling too i like like a try but it it didn't really work i guess i i will say i do think uh center group of pie is a good movie um it's just, I feel like it's, it's like it's lacking something. But it did win the uh, camera door at Cannes. So what, what do I know, right? <laughs> yes. No, I, I, I wished I had seen it every year. Uh, you, you know, it's, you only have three days. You have to make some business decisions every once in a while. And there's usually 20, there's 20 films in the competition. I usually guess like six to seven of them just don't matter in terms of, might not be good they might just not get distributed and distributed anywhere like last year i saw tchaikovsky's wife um which was a good movie it has not been screened anywhere in the western part hemisphere since then so that i have to try to make some decisions based on that and i chose wrong with because this movie turned out to be really great and i was like oh man i wish i would have seen it yeah. Although because it's really great, it's probably going to have a, a, a pretty, and in one of prize too, it, it's going to have a decent, it's, it's not going to be too hard for it to find a, a, a North American distributor. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sony Pictures Classics picks it up or something like that. Uh, that being said, though, I mean, I don't know what your schedule looked like, but man, you, you should have known Juliette Binoche, Benoit Magimel, you can't bet against those guys. They're, That's it's true. literally, uh, they, they were literally a couple uh, had a child together, divorced, and now this film is them trying to respark their romance. Like this is <laughs> such like this is the pitch is insane. This is this was like one of my most hype from Cannes. I'm so happy it lives up to it. From what I read, I said it it flew under the radar for me only mostly because I had not I've heard Julia Pinocchio as well, but like the director when I looked up his previous films, none of them had lit the world on fire. So I was like, well, oh, maybe it won't be the one of them did win the golden lion, I think. So like it's not like yeah, yeah, no, the golden camera, okay. like, no, I was lion. I was looking around. Nor have they um been popular. So uh, I it, poor 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 choices on mine, no just, matter what. I just I, no, don't I, watch I, Norwegian Wood. That movie's not good. Um okay. yeah. last thing I'll say about this, I do think like it could be like the eight mountains last year, where like it's the can title that goes to Sundance next year. 
Mm. I could okay. definitely see that. So that if I true, if right? I get to go to Sundance next year, which you know, fingers crossed, I might be able to see that in theaters. Yeah, and it seems like the kind of movie that I think would play Sundance quite well. Yeah, yeah. I I I don't know if I would bet on that, but uh, I think uh, uh, the odds of that happening are going to be incredibly high if this does not get submitted by France, which you know is looking quite possible. Uh, It's it's the the type of film that uh, you know we get some of these every year where uh, a film, a very very qualitative film, will will have to come out in North America post Oscar season because there's no room for it if it's not part of the Oscar season. Um, and uh, this might just be part of that. Um, we'll, we'll see. All right. Yeah. All right. So jury prize was Fallen Leaves by Aki Kurismaki, but I don't think any of you guys uh, saw it. No, I really wanted to, but I, I yeah. didn't get a chance. Yeah, it was so, uh, it, as as weird as it sounds, because the movie's only eighty minutes long, it never fit in my schedule at all. Because they're always playing it at the same time as something else I wanted to see more. So this was the one I I the pot of food I I had decided not to see it, but this one I wanted to see it just couldn't. So yeah, bummer. Um, I will mention quickly. I watched his film uh, A Man Without a Past that I think won the Grand Prix. I can when it was in competition, I, and I think of one of the actors too. It was nominated for international at the Oscars. It, it's a, it's a good it's a very good movie. I think a lot of people seem to like it a lot more than I do, but I do think it is it is very good and sort of Wes Andersony. Like I I know Arno and Matt compared it to, to compared it to that. I don't fully see the comparison, but I kind of see it. I, I do think it's a very good movie, and I think I do think uh, Tristan and y'all would like uh, would, would like it a lot if y'all if y'all saw it. Yeah, yeah he's, I mean, he's a Maki's style is similar to Wes Anderson on a more material level, um, and perhaps on an on an acting on like directing the actors level, uh, but on a substantive or on a storytelling, screenwriting, and just a conceptual level, they couldn't be more different. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, in terms of like actual style, like I don't think they're similar. I think. Like, I think the story, yeah, but, like, I think I, th- I think the acting is, like, I don't... That's where I'm not entirely sure, but maybe if I watch more of the films, I would agree. Let's move on now to the acting prizes. And I know all three of you saw these films, or, well, maybe not all three of you. Um, we'll start with uh, the actress winner about Dry Grasses, which won actress for its actress... I, I don't... I, I, Merve Dizdar, I don't know how to pronounce her name. I'm sorry. Um, apparently, she is a supporting contender, though. So I, I'm curious as to the people who saw the film, what you guys think of it and her performance. In it, it. Um, this this is an interesting one. It was one of my most anticipated of the past, um, just because of what I had heard going in, and it's it's very emotionally draining, and it's 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 a long film, so. I sandwiched it between um, kind of like zone of interest. I, I sandwiched it between, um, I think it was like a three or four, four movie day. And it was that May, December monster back to back to back, which probably wasn't the best way to see it. But the more I've reflected on that one, um, the more I've, I've grown to really love it and um, really respect it. I, I, I think it's a, a great film. And um, one that keeps me coming back in terms of like thinking about it. Um, I think that uh, it's just incredibly well-written. I haven't seen any of his other films, but um, 
once upon a time in Anatolia and uh, winter sleep have been on my watch list for a really long time. And um, I, I just, just from this one film, I can tell he's an incredible writer and um, the way that he portrays like rural Turkey and the isolation um, I thought was really effective. And it, it's, it's very dialogue driven, um, very like relationship focused and it, it plays out slowly, but by the end, I think it's, it's incredibly rewarding. And I, I don't think this is going to be a player. I mean, none of his other films have really, um, hit the Oscar circuit, but I, I would love to see this, um, make a mark in international and I'd love to see Turkey submit it. Turkey probably will submit it. Like they've submitted, they submitted, I think all of his other films. I'm not sure. But they probably will submit it. I'm almost exactly identical of the sentiments that Tristan has as well, where I have not seen another Chalon film, but I'm uh, familiar with the style and familiar with the films he's made and everything like that. And this is one of those where it was also sandwiched between, I think, that was a five movie day and this was the second of five movies. So the you know pros and cons of film festival where you can see all these movies at one time and be in this environment, but you're also seeing these very artistic movies that should demand and should be respected and given the time of day, but you're just watching and then moving on to the next one. But since watching it and not loving it when I first saw it, since then I have appreciated it more and more when I was writing my review for it, which is I wrote way more than I anticipated, you know, because I was like, I didn't love this movie so much. We'll see what I write out. And I wrote like almost two pages where because this movie is so full of ideas and moments, performances that stick with you. Even if I didn't love the movie still, I still gave it maybe a seven out of 10. I still admired what it was going for. I still respect it. And uh, even with all the faults, I still think of it. I um, was still happy to watch it and potentially maybe rewatch it way down the road when I have the uh, courage to tackle all of his three and a half hour long movies in a, in a row. I'd love to do a marathon. I, I've become a really big fan. I, I just, I, I, I will say style. the one film of his that I've, of Shaylon's that I've seen, um, Winter Sleep that won the Palme d'Or. It's a yeah. very good film. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how it compares to this. Apparently, um, his other films like Once Upon a Time in Anatolia is like apparently like his best movie. I don't know if that is considered. I've that heard movie. he's just been four for four um, since Anatolia. Like I, I've heard really good things about the Wild Pear Tree too. Mm-hmm. So I think that is a um, something that I will have to to do. What do you think of the actress who who won for the film over yeah. Sandra Huller at that? It's interesting because she's definitely more of a supporting player. Um, but I thought she was excellent. Um, the, the character slowly grow, uh, gains more prominence throughout the film and, and gains um, more of a role. And, and I, I thought that as the film progressed, she, she became like her performance became really strong. And I, I left the film, I think, thinking like she was she was probably the strongest aspect of her in the dialogue um so i i'm i'm happy she won um obviously i think Hooler Hooler's performance is a lot more flashy um but what she was able to do with that character i think was pretty incredible and she's an actress i think we're going to see a lot more of in the future yes um when they announced it i was like really her and then right when i said that and i started thinking i was like you know what 
actually she, she is really good at that one. It is uh, like you said, she's kind of a it's kind of hard to three and a half hour movie to say supporting, but I agree with that because she doesn't show up till maybe an hour into the movie, but I mean she still has two and a half hours of uh screen time as well. But whenever she's in a scene, she is the one commanding that scene, even if she isn't the dominating figure in that scene just her body language and her performance is what catches you and uh maybe was it two and a half hours into the movie there is a particular scene between her and the main character it's just a debate scene pretty much it goes on for like 20 minutes is really pushes it a little bit but it is a that i think that would be like uh, we talk about oscar clips i think that was her or her award scene that got her that that award because that is the one you walk away from you're like wow she just blew it out of the water in that moment so it's a very inspiring pick they chose her and i'm uh, really glad they did they went out of their not out of their way but chose something that not everybody was around you know because everybody's talking about sandra huler and maybe some other ones but no one was really talking about her so i'm glad they picked that one yeah, it was yeah. very inspiring. I mean, not to discredit her winning this award, uh, but let, let's be real. This is the we couldn't give it to Sandra Huller Award. Yeah, uh, no, that is because, that is true. Uh, it is yeah, definitely one hundred percent true. Since but, uh, for yeah. for those who are interested, since two thousand one, uh, a rule there was a rule that was in, in, in initiated uh, in the for the can uh, Palmarès, which is to say that uh, a film cannot win more than two awards unless it uh, wins uh, an acting prize and a, uh, you know, not major prize like a Grand Prix and, uh, and a Palme d'Or. Uh, so we've seen, the most we've seen since 2001 is like a case like uh, You Are Never Really Here, where Joaquin Phoenix won actor and the film also won screenplay, or The Barbarian Invasions, where um, um, it won actress and screenplay, you know, things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. That's the most really that can ever happen. Uh, so Sandra Huller could not win, and the film also wins, you know, Grand Prix and Palme d'Or. Um, I thought, uh, you know, since the screenplay apparently is really strong for Anatomy of Fall, I thought that maybe Huller could win uh, with the screenplay. But uh, it turns out that they really did want to give this film uh, a big award. Um, so when it was announced that... Um, uh, about dry grasses uh got the actress prize i was like oh this is uh you know they're keeping something big for anatomy of a fall right uh and you know this is a uh, good good for uh good for the team and good for um uh marve bizdar or something <laughs> whatever her however you say her name mm -hmm. <laughs> but um <clears throat> uh and you know i think this is really the, the jury essentially saying this is a great performance we love that movie um and we wanted to give that movie a prize. And see, uh, I thought we they were going to give it screenplay, but yeah, that's what well, I would have thought. It, it was probably thought. easier to give a screenplay to Monster. Well, we'll what get to Monster, which is awesome. I can't wait to talk about that one. I love. <laughs> well, Monsters we have one so more much. film before we get to that one, and it's. Uh, I mean, aside from mid December and Zone of Interest, probably my most anticipated the festival. Um, I think we're all done with the bad dry grasses here. I'm I'm very excited for it. Um. Perfect Days by Vin Vendors, who, whose film I watched for the Parallel Challenge. Uh, Wings of Desire was my personal Palm d'Or winner of that challenge. Uh, this is a, a film that he made in Tokyo about um, the public toilets, which are um, very unique, to say the least. That's, that's pretty much the whole synopsis right there. You got it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it kind of gives like Patterson vibes. Um, so, it won the act, so it won the actor prize for uh, Koji Yakusho, 
who has been in a lot of prolific Japanese films like Cure and The Eel, which won the Palme d'Or. He was also in uh, Babel as uh, Rinko Kikuchi's character's father. He was also in the Rob Marshall film Memoirs of a Geisha. So, you know, he, he's a pretty prolific actor in Japan. And I think he's the first Japanese actor to win the Can Best Actor Prize since... Um, That's not true. The act, the act, oh, no, sorry, since, sorry. I, 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 I thought you... <laughs> no, 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 no. Since um, the actor in the film, in the Hirokazu Koreeda film, nobody knows. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So, uh, Neon picked this one up. I'm very excited to see it. Thoughts? That's a, a really good pickup from them. I'm glad that they picked it up. Um, no, yeah. I mean, it's it's been a while since he had like a a, a big um, big critical success like this um, outside of like the the realm of documentary filmmaking. So it's it's glad to see him back um, because obviously like. Paris, Texas is an incredible movie and he's, he's done a lot of really great stuff, but um, perfect days is it. I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily my cup of tea. It wasn't one of my favorites at the festival, but um, I, I love how it, um, it takes a very like mundane approach and really just kind of, it, it's it's very much a slice of life, and um, I thought that the uh, the lead performance was incredible. I mean, there's a there's a moment towards the end where it's it just the camera um, focuses just on his on his facial expressions for for minutes on end, and it's uh, it's a really powerful moment. And I love how it most of the movies just him, um, you know, and his his career uh, as as a janitor, and it, it just his relationships and it's um I, I thought it was a really well done movie i certainly need to see it again just to kind of analyze it more but i i thought it was really well done and i'm glad that Nikon picked it up yeah it was um this was the opposite of uh i keep saying around uh, the party foo where uh only because vim vendors has been I want to say hit or miss. I mean, obviously, Paris, Texas, Wings of Desire are amazing films, and he deserves, he can coast on the rest of his career based on the suit, but he hadn't made a really good narrative film in a long time or a good one that people actually talk about. So I was like, I don't know. Do I want to try to see the new Vim Vendors from it? But it actually really fit my schedule on the final Saturday they released it. It was the only movie in that 8 30 a.m. time slot that I had not already seen. So I was like, all right, I might as well see it. And Maybe it's not the greatest 8.30 a.m. movie, as Tristan uh, will probably agree with me, because this is very much yeah. a, um, I think the 40, first like 40 minutes of the movie, there is no dialogue. Or if there is, it's very little dialogue. It's very much just, here's this man, and here's his day. He gets up, he gets in his truck, he drives to town, he cleans some toilets, he does this, he does that. It's just a chore, it's daily chores. And for the first 20 minutes, you're like, okay, is this really all the movie is? But then after that, you just start, once you realize that and accept it, you settle into that vibe. It just becomes so riveting to watch just the serenity of like the mundane things and how this man just doesn't overcomplicate his life and just seems perfectly happy and content with what he's doing. And it makes you reflect a little bit on yourself. And it does become a little bit of a downward thing when the movie starts to introduce a little bit of a plot. It's not much plot really at all. And it does work its way in, but it's one of those things where you kind of wish 
this was just the movie the whole time. There's no dialing. There's just this man doing his things. So it's a it's a very um, fun, not fun movie, but like interesting movie that I would put on like a Sunday afternoon. You make some tea and you watch it on like a calm summer day. It's that kind of a vibe of a movie. So it was really nice. It surprised me. It was probably my most surprising one in the festival where I, I didn't have much expectations going in and I came out quite liking it. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to see it. Finn Benders is, uh, yeah. And uh, Koji Yakusho is a really talented actor. And speaking of yeah, directors... Do yeah. you think Yakusho could be in the Oscar conversation? Possibly. I... I don't know. I mean, it's he was a perfect winner for this prize because the whole movie is him. But I, it's it's such an understated performance. I mean, he literally has maybe 25, 30 lines of dialogue. I'm probably underestimating by a far, wide margin, but that's what it feels like because he doesn't really talk at all. Not that that's like prevents somebody from being an Oscar conversation, but it's such an understated and just not, no showiness to their performance. I don't know how that'll register to people talking about in the movie. I don't think the movie will catch on and be a very big talked about movie as well to keep him in that conversation, even though he does deserve it because he's so good at it. I, I mean, I, I I see, um, I could see this film, you know, picking up some critics awards and making lists of, of the best films of the year, um, kind of similar to what Patterson did, but I, I, I don't see it really, breaking into the awards conversation. Um, I think it's possible, but I, for now I'm going to say no, just because of the nature of the film and the nature of the performance, but it, it would be well-deserved. He's, he's incredible in the film. So I think that answers my question. Like, does this film deserve the best actor prize? Um, yeah. Based on what you say. Uh, Definitely. Well, well, let's get into the screenplay prize, which I know all three of you saw on the film uh, Monster by Hirokazu Koreeda. Interestingly enough, he did not write the script for this one. Um, I am not sure if this is the first time that he directed the script that was not written by him. Um, but it is interesting that he did not write the script. And uh, Hirokazu Koreeda is another one of my favorite directors. Um, so, I mean, I mean, take it away. It seems like you all really like this one. Yeah, yeah, we actually all we uh, you go ahead actually, Tristan. Go ahead. We um we all we all actually saw it together, which was really cool. Um, and it was right in between about Drag Grasses and uh, Me December. And I loved about Drag Grasses has really grown on me, but I think Monster would still be my favorite of of the uh, the films in competition. And um, yeah, I I love Koreeda. Every movie I've seen from him is incredible, and I I love how much empathy he brings to, to all of the films. He's just, he, he's got a really interesting perspective. And obviously like with creative films, you kind of know what you're getting and it doesn't stray that far away from his wheelhouse. But um, I really like the uh, kind of um, like the different perspectives that he's playing with. Um, and I think, again, like it's, it's another film where he's exploring family relationships um, but the way in which he does it and the way the way the story unfolds, I'm tr- trying to say it without uh, spoiling anything, but the way the story unfolds is really interesting. And uh, I, I I loved it. I thought it was a, a fantastic movie and definitely my favorite of the in competition films. 
I definitely have to agree with that. Uh, it's my personal second favorite of in competition, but it's still in my top three of the festival as a whole. And just, it's such a beautiful slow burn um, created. The number of emotions that he makes you feel throughout the runtime is just awe-inspiring. Um, going from sorrow to shock to intrigue to just jaw slack on the floor. What is going on? Um, there's this, I think Tristan was alluding to it, a really interesting structure that he brings into it um, with multiple perspectives. I don't know. It isn't, it, it's exactly what you'd expect from his movies. I, I completely agree with everything that Tristan was saying, but it's just really beautiful, really empathetic. Um, the third act absolutely broke my heart. And I'm really, really grateful that we were able to see this on the first day because it was such a great way to kick off the festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I'll continue the uh, the the I don't want to say I I'm the least you know favorite of it, but it was my third favorite of the festival. I still really really loved it. Actually, Broker was one of my favorite movies of last year of Corita. I actually really loved The Truth, uh, his English language movie that not many people love, but I actually really like it and almost all of his movies. And this one was again uh, like Tristan said, you know what you're getting with it. But even though you know what you're getting, Corita, you know you're getting a great movie like this one is. Uh, it was a lot like. Not to be, I don't know if it's, it wouldn't really, it's a lot like Close from last year, the Lucas Don't film. Not a lot like it, but there are elements of it. I could see the connections between the two movies. And this is maybe the better version of it, the more subdued, creative version of it, of course, that um, hits your emotions in a more subtle and natural way to it. Rashomon in the modern age. But with most of those kind of uh, perspective movies, you usually kind of can follow the puzzle and the pattern where it's like, okay, we're going to go back to this scene and see it from this angle. We're going to go back to the scene we saw earlier. We're going to see it from this angle. And you can kind of start piecing it together earlier. And this one with the third act, as Ian said, it cha- it breaks you and it changes into something totally different that you weren't expecting to see. And it's just so beautiful in the way it does it. And uh, I'm really hoping that this would be I was a little bummed that Broker didn't catch on last year, but I know that wasn't the most widely hailed movie of his career. I really hope this movie catches on to an audience this year, because I think I don't remember who picked it up for distribution recently, but somebody did. It was um, Match Factory. It was Well Go. Well Go. Um, well Go Entertainment. Okay, so that's the, that's the company that picked up Burning. Um, yeah. Okay, there's precedent there. It's for you know, yeah, I kind of things to happen. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm very excited to see the film. I mean, I love Coretta. Um, Broker is my least favorite of his, actually. I think that one is very, Ooh. very good. Boo. So I, good. <laughs> I think it's very good, but it's not amazing. Like, no, nah, Broker is not as bad. It, no, I mean, I mean, if you if you've seen Afterlife, like that movie is like a, a, amazing. Yeah. And uh, I will say I have, not, shop, I have not seen that. So. Also, shoplifters. Shoplifters um, is great. Like father, That's like true. son. Uh, yeah. And uh, his first film, uh, Mabarosi, is is also excellent. Um, and I need I need I need to watch uh, his other films. But yeah, I think he's. Uh, he, I've he, heard he, uh, "Still Walking" is great. really incredible. Oh yeah, that one's a Criterion Channel. I need to check that one out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's a. Uh... Where where would you guys rank uh, um, this film monster within uh, Coreda's filmography with the films you guys have seen? Because I get the sense that Coreda right now has 
uh, has three masterpieces being Nobody Knows, Still Walking, and Shoplifters. And then he has a lot of other well, great I think films, Afterlife could be considered that, too. Like, masterpiece level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that, I mean, yeah, I haven't seen Afterlife, but I get the sense that the consensus is that, like, he's got three masterpieces, a lot of amazing films. Um, and then uh, a few good ones, you know, like uh, The Truth would probably be uh, like, oh, it's good, but like he's mm-hmm. got other much better stuff. Um, um, so where would you rank, uh, where would you guys rank uh, Monster within that? I've only seen his like shop, but post shoplifters um, work. And I'd, I've been meaning to go back and see everything else. But um, I think it would probably be my favorite uh, since shoplifters. Mm-hmm. Um i also have not seen as many creative films as i would like to that is one of the blind spots each time i see his new movie i am further ignited to see more but based on what i have read slash seen the problem with Corey at this point is the bar is so high for him because everyone expects his movies to be great because they almost all are so this one i don't think it blew anyone out of the water so you can't be claimed as a masterpiece nor do i think i think if it'd be low second tier form or maybe high third tier which is still a great movie, but for his standards, it's not um, the greatest thing to catch on. You know, like Shoplifters caught on fire because he had great movies before that, but that was a whole new level. This one, because it's not that kind of level, I don't think it'll go very far, no matter how much I really want it to. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when uh, the Shoplifters uh, was premiering in Cannes in, in 2018, a lot of the press were saying, oh, this is Coreda. Like, we haven't seen him at, in Cannes since nobody knows. Uh, so, like, it really does feel like the press kind of sees uh, various tiers in Coreda's work. And Monster, maybe it's not in the, the highest tier of Coreda, but, uh, you know, it did, it did win a prize. And uh, it's, it's got a lot of great reactions. So I'm, I'm really excited for it. I'm also curious what they'll do for any awards campaign, only because the award in Scott is not for Corey Ada. It's for the writer of the film, which obviously Corey is the director and he's a very big auteur. So he is molding the script into his vision, but it's kind of hard to um, be, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't totally praise Corey Ada for the film when he didn't write it. Technically he, 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 this was the, I don't know if you did say the first film or one of his first or one of his in a very long time where he didn't write it. So that is an interesting angle to the awards campaign slash narrative they're going to push with this film. Yeah, I'll be very interested to see the angle they take with this, but I, um, I, I suspect it won't be like a big um, Oscar player, maybe an international player. But I, I do think that it will be a very good film, um, kind of over overall. Um, well, I mean, it is probably a very good film. I, I, I'm sure, I, I might like it more than Broker. <laughs> I think you will. I, Definitely. I, yeah. um, it's, it's one good thing with Korea. As long if, if, if it's not a you know worst contender or stuff like it's gonna no matter what it's a great movie. Yeah. So now um, we're out of the prize the prize winning titles. Uh, we have two more films that are like in competition that are incredibly hyped that didn't win prizes. But one, all three of you saw these two films, and two, like these are incredibly hyped. We'll start with the one that's uh, going to come out in a couple of weeks, Asteroid City by Wes Anderson. Yes. Um, <laughs> I know, Tristan, you didn't see the set can, but you saw it like after you got back to Canada. Yeah, um, I got a, so- I, I went to a press screening a couple of days ago. 
Yeah, so you know, I mean, you could still talk about it. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely defer to Hunter and Eden first though, because they saw it at the at the festival. Yeah, well, I'll defer to Eden first. She saw it first, so she was the one. Who <laughs> me. You, I mean, I'm already hyped, but then once I heard that you had approved it and said it was great, I was like, yes, okay, that's. I was gonna wait in the line in the sun on that day, and this was the 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 final you know five percent confirmation that got me over the hump to be like, yep, I'm doing this, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, I'm so glad you did. I think you liked it about as much as I did. So, oh yes, yeah. I mean, I'm a Wes Anderson fan, and going into this movie, I kind of figured that I would like it. Um, it's is it his strongest? No, but uh, but it's definitely if you are somebody who likes the way Wes Anderson sees the world, whether it's his visual sensibilities or his emotional sensibilities, this this is like him making a movie for him. Um, I don't know. How do I describe it? Uh, it's hard after, to describe without totally spoiling it. Either yeah. Because it's literally, a very interesting unfolding right away. You, my eyebrow is raised as like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And that just keeps going through the, the whole movie. The trailers are very much um, only giving you, let's say one layer out of like countless that are in this movies. Yeah. You're going to walk into the movie and the absolute first line is going to completely change your view of what the movie is. Um, Mm-hmm. the trailers are fascinating um yeah asteroid city is a really interesting movie because he blurs the line between fiction and reality uh it's a very meta narrative it's a very paradoxical narrative it's as much a celebration of eccentricity as anything that he's made before I'm trying to think of the things that i wrote a review on it the other day and i'm trying to pull from what i said for that um <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot in the movie that it feels like he's just including anything that's ever fascinated him in the past. 1950s, we're going to take from that. Um, you know, visual symmetry, we're going to pull from that. Extraterrestrial, we're going to pull from that. I mean, it's called Asteroid City for a reason. Um, I don't know. It's the first two acts of the movie are structured in a way that's almost confounding uh similar to zone of interest i felt that it felt very much like it was just a series of vignettes that even though they were absolutely visually stunning they seemed to add up to little substance it was almost as if the plot was kind of passing by in little snapshots rather than actually adding up to a cohesive whole i can't say this without spoiling everything i know Um, it's hard there's a way that they wrap it up in the final act that makes everything come together in a final aha moment. And that is done so brilliantly that it completely recontextualizes the rest of the movie. I guess what I could say is go into it with an open mind. Um, if you have liked any of Wes Anderson's movies in the past, you are absolutely going to love this one. If you are not a Wes Anderson fan, it's probably not going to be the one to win you over. But as an Anderson enjoyer, I absolutely loved it. And I thought it was brilliant. And I need to see it again with that recontextualization Mm -hmm. in my mind. Um, Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I will say, and this might be a contentious statement, but um, I think that the screenplay was the weakest part, which I never thought I'd say for a Wes Anderson movie. I'm usually absolutely obsessed with his writing, especially being a screenwriter myself. Um, But that was the one place where I was like, hmm, I know a lot of people were predicting that that might be where it might be able to play into the awards conversation a little bit and i don't know i don't think so i think that the screenplay mm-hmm. is felt almost non-wes uh 
in many ways. But aside from that production design score, Alexandre Desplat is beyond unbelievable. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what people think of it when it comes out this week and then next week with its wide release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you mean with the um, screenplay, kind of like... Um... This might be a bit of a the Christopher Nolan kind of screenplays where the I give it big points on the imagination, the structure, the concept of it all. But then when you get into the nitty gritty, like dialogue lines and the it's not his greatest work, even if it's still really good, but yeah. something like that. So I'm also a Wes Anderson apologist where um both French Dispatch and Grand Budapest Hotel are like top 10 movies of all time where I just, you know, him doing him is something I get so much joy out of just to see him pull out of his bag of tricks. I know, you know, we've all cut, we know what they are. They're making TikToks out of it. They're making AI generated videos out of his style. Obviously it's very much repeatable, but I don't think anyone can still, they can do Wes Anderson on a physical standpoint and are replicating, but they can't replicate what he really brings to it, the emotion of it. And I think this one, the common complaint with French Dispatch was that it's a colder movie. It's not as emotionally engaging. This one is because the characters, you spent more time with them compared to French Dispatch, but they're on a more emotional journey to where they're not kept at much of an arm's length away. And also they interweave in very strange ways as well. But it's a really, I mean, I had so much fun with the movie in terms of what it was about what it was trying to say the way it was doing it uh that it was way weirder than i anticipated to be i know wes anderson's a weird filmmaker in terms of his eccentricities but this was very much you know quote-unquote weird and obviously you can say the most wes anderson movie wes anderson's made the cycle continues here with asteroid city so like eden said if you if you like wes anderson you're gonna love this if you don't you probably won't, but I think at this point in his career, you've made up your mind on him at this point. So. Yeah, it definitely feels like a movie where his primary audience is him, and we're just kind of invited to tag along for the ride. Um, and like I said, as a Wes Anderson apologist, I loved it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, totally agree with everything you said there. Yeah, you guys, which is interesting because um, when I started getting into film, uh, Wes was like one of one of my introductions into uh, into the world of film, and I've been a massive fan of him ever since. I mean, um, specifically his early work, uh, Royal Tenenbaums is, is a top 10 movie for me of all time. And uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou is right up there. Those are films that I um, I watched in high school and they've, they've remained some of my favorites. And Moonrise Kingdom, Grand Budapest, that that from from the 2000s to the early 2010s, that, that was really the... Um, the era of West that I, I really loved. But once I think he, like you said, once he started to make films more for himself than for the audience, where he was focusing more specifically on um, world building and the visuals more so than blending um, his storytelling with, with the visuals, I, I fell off a little bit. Um, Isle of Dogs, French Dispatch, and... Um, Asteroid City, I mean, they're, they're all very well made. And of course, I love seeing Wes just expand on his style. And he does that again here. Um, and I love how we brought sci-fi elements into it. It's, it's really funny and unique. And, and um, it, the way he did it was very unexpected. And I, I enjoyed that a lot. But it, it really does feel like a series of vignettes. And it never really fully connected for me. Um, I, I really 
emotionally connected with a lot of his early work. And I, I've just, I haven't really been able to with his more recent stuff. And unfortunately that continued with Asteroid City for me, but it's got a great cast. Um, obviously the style is really neat and um, it, it does come together in an in, in interesting way. So I, I, I do think it's going to go the route of uh, French Dispatch where um, Wes Anderson fans are going to really love it, but people who are a little more on the outside are going to be colder on it. Uh, I don't think it's going to have much of an impact um, in during the award circuit, especially since, I mean, French Dispatch from a production design standpoint and a, uh, a score standpoint was some of his most impressive work. And I feel like both the production design and especially the score was stronger with French Dispatch and that didn't make a, an impact during award season. So I don't really see Asteroid doing that, but um, I, I think it's definitely going to be one of the standouts of the summer for a lot of people. And I'm, I'm curious to see where, um, where people fall on it. Sounds interesting. Yeah. I, I'm not like Tristan as well. I mean, I, I like the movie, but I'm, I remember I said this 2021 when I was first on this podcast, that I said French Dispatch could be a nomination leader whoops didn't work out that way <laughs> but we all have bad it's predictions the, we do have bad predictions i went you know i was like oh it could get 10 nominations we were all convinced not. the sun was getting nominated that is true but at least french dispatch was much better but i do agree with tristan that um i don't think this will be a big oscar contender even though um like all west anderson movies nowadays where the production design and the you know the costumes the makeup all the crack uh uh, technical aspects of the movies is top notch, but I think for him, people have kind of become used to it, and it's not as impressive anymore. And especially with French Dispatch in a relatively weaker year of 2021, couldn't even break in. I just don't think this one has it as well. I don't know if it'll even have the legs to last all that six months. Even though I think the summer release date's much better for the movie, where it can have room to breathe. I just don't. Maybe a loan production, maybe Desplat gets in, but we've seen nowadays that Desplat is not an immediate lock to get in anymore, even though it's great work. So I don't know. It'll be a bummer that it doesn't go very far, but it's not going to be a, a big um, surprise. Yeah. Very much in agreement there, despite not having seen the film. Um, as for the other non-prize winner, this is, I think it's still probably my most anticipated film from the festival. It is uh, May, December by Todd Haynes, which Arno and I both read the screenplay for. And uh, so, so, so like, I, this is one where I, I, I have an idea of what the movie is, but I haven't seen it visualized. But like, I, I, like, I basically, like, I, I, I kind of know what's going on. And I think, um, uh, there's going to be some differing opinions here, but like, let's just, let's just hash it out. Let's just get all into it. Um, yeah. May December. I'm so excited okay. to see the, I'll, I'll just say right away. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to see this film having read the screenplay. It's one of, if not the best screenplay I've read. Um, and I was absolutely glued to, to the pages. Uh, I, I, I love these characters. I think the story is fascinating. Uh, and I love Todd Haynes as a director too, so I can't wait to, to see what this film uh, feels like. Yeah, I love Todd Haynes. I love Tom, Todd Haynes. I liked this movie. I didn't. I didn't love it. Um, I think 
it's got look i i didn't read the screenplay beforehand and i i definitely want to go back and just read it on its own because i think the thank you uh i i'm definitely gonna read it i think the way he approaches directing it and telling the story um it, it definitely did not line up with um if i was reading the screenplay just on its own the the final product and the way he directed it would not line up with my my view of how the story would be told um because i think the way that he he directs it there's a lot of camp to it and i i don't know if it comes across in the screenplay but just with the score and and some of the zoom cuts and like it's very campy to a point where i think it almost does a disservice to the film um because I think these characters are fascinating. The central conflict is fascinating, but I don't think, I, I think it kind of undercuts some of the depth here. Um, and maybe I need to see it again because I, I did see it right after about dry grasses and monster, which are two really heavy films. And this is a, a huge change of pace, but I, I found the, what was on paper more fascinating than uh, the way he executed it. And because of that, I I liked it a lot. I had a lot of fun with it, but I I don't know if I see this being as big of an awards contender as I would have initially thought. And if Carol wasn't able to to really um, do damage, and if um, a movie like Far From Heaven, which I think is fantastic, wasn't able to get into the Best Picture race, I I don't know if I. And I know that that year only had five nominees, and it probably would have made it in if there were ten. But I. I don't know if I see this one getting in and the performances are, are, are strong. Um, particularly Charles Melton, who I thought um, was very understated and, and delivered a really powerful performance, but I, I just don't see, I don't think Natalie Portman or Julianne Moore gave some of the, the better performances of their career. I think they were both good, but um, they, they were serviceable to the roles. I, I, I didn't really see it as a standout within their filmographies. Yeah, Could be in the to, minority though. No, I'm going to have to agree with that. Um, I definitely think Charles Melton was the strongest member of the cast. There was like a quiet desperation that was almost tinged with deep restraint. And I was really impressed of, by how he managed to, I don't know, stand out in such a cast of critical darlings between Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman. I thought he really held his own. And if anyone is to receive any awards buzz this year, I definitely hope that he would be the one. Uh, in terms of the movie itself, I mean, again, I agree with a lot of what you were saying. When I heard um, that May December had been acquired by Netflix, um, my first thought was, yeah, that makes sense. I'm not sure what it is about it, but it does almost feel like it, it's a made-for-streaming movie. There's a certain like grain or atmosphere to it that draws out discomfort in a very effective and yet somewhat made-for-TV manner. And like Tristan was saying, with the camp, there are these strings of levity that are never really severed. And it does lend it a sense of a lack of depth, um, which I feel almost did it a disservice. I was expecting it to be a little more impactful, especially given the subject banner. One thing that I did find really interesting was that each of the three leads were really unlikable. Um, and I think that's a um, something that the actors all did really well. It's um, intentional. Drawing, yeah, it's absolutely intentional. And I actually thought that was fascinating. It was something that I really liked about it. Um, May, December is definitely more of a character study than it is a plot driven piece. I would love to read the screenplay because uh, I don't know if it's any different in there, but uh 
yeah, I thought it was really well acted. Each of the characters were really well drawn out. And the moral ambiguity really fascinated me. Um, the one thing is the audience is kind of left unsure by the end of it as to who to root for. Um, Haynes, he doesn't really condone the actions of his characters, but he doesn't particularly condemn them either. And so even though that leaves the audience up to like make their own opinion, it's also a deeply unsettling creative decision. I don't know. I came away from it wishing that I'd connected to it more, wishing that I had more direction on it. And I just felt unfulfilled. Don't know if I was alone in that, though. Well, what I'll say about the script and, the you know, well, well I guess first answer to Tristan's point, I think there's certain lines in the movie and certain scenes that, like, could lend itself to comedy, even though, even if it doesn't necessarily read as comedy. And, uh, like, I, I don't know if I thought can't, but, like, the script had a lot of very dry humor, I thought. Almost, like, tar in a way. Like, how tar has some weirdly dry humor sprinkled into it that's kind of how i saw um may december uh as far as the uh, subject matter goes i don't know what haynes did with the directing obviously but i don't think the script um particularly uh like i i don't think it lets a certain character off the hook i won't spoil it obviously but like there's some there's some sense of repercussion given to a certain character in the film, even if it isn't like necessarily substantial. I'm pretty much uh, almost echoing exactly what Tristan and Eden said. As I quite liked the movie. I didn't love it. Um, I am almost the one where Todd Haynes' direction, I thought, was maybe the best part of the movie. Was um, And I almost, I applaud everyone Obviously, if I'd read the script, uh, I'll, I'll say that like everyone else. If I read it, I would maybe know what it more is. But I applaud the producers, the cast, the crew for not letting us know anything about this movie before we had seen it. Because I would envision this to be pretty much a pretty straight drama with a kind of a higher concept to this. And this is actually campy would be the word. I don't want to say silly because that's more of a uh, not a very nice way to describe it. But there is just kind of a eccentric silliness aspect to this movie that is both part of the greatest things about it but then also you do feel a little bit when i got more toward the end i was like uh in a very 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 mildly disappointed way like oh that's kind of it that's that was what the movie was but you're i was always engaged on the moment level but when i walked away and i think about the movie and i haven't thought about as much as i wanted to afterwards it is not stuck in my brain as much as I wanted to no matter how much I liked watching it in the moment and yeah so probably middle of the festival for me in terms of that one but one that I'm glad Netflix are picking up because films unfortunately of this size and maybe subject matter and just kind of the style don't make money at the box office these days so at least they'll have a life on streaming obviously the extended life of movies on streaming is not the greatest but at least it'll have a chance to be seen by a wide audience and to Tristan's point about the whole awards angle here, like he says, isn't there going to be a big awards contender? And we kind of we kind of went back and forth about this a couple weeks ago. We did. Here, here's the thing: I'm not saying that this is locked for a best picture nomination. I'm not saying that like uh, like oh this is absolutely in and that Tristan's wrong. But here's the thing: it, it's the fact that Netflix picked it up. 
if Netflix bought yeah. this movie, fucking Netflix, and they're banned from competition, by the way, they're banned from sending movies to competition because they don't want to comply with Cannes rules. Why would they buy it if they didn't see potential in it? Is my question. You have a, you make a good point there. And also with, um, you know, a lot of the test screening reactions that have come out of movies like Maestro and, and Rustin, um, those don't seem to be as, as strong best picture contenders as maybe they seemed like they would be on paper. Um, so they definitely have an opening to take this film and run with it. But I don't see people really responding to it and calling it one of the best of the year. I, I think there's going to be, um, you know, certainly a, a group of people who really love it. But I can also see people, and obviously it's it's going to have a much more positive response than this movie. But it it on one hand kind of reminds me of White Noise, where the the direction is so peculiar. Um, and he's going for something so specific that I feel like a lot of people are going to feel isolated and not know what to make of it, especially since the subject matter is so tricky and so sensitive and there's a playfulness to it. Um, I, I feel like some people could walk away from it thinking it's almost insensitive, even though you are right. They don't leave, you know, characters off the hook. There's certainly repercussion, repercussions um, that the characters do face. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think um, it, it, it definitely doesn't, it's not a message movie. It, it doesn't really. Um, I mean, it doesn't really need to be. It doesn't need to be, but it, it, it's tricky subject matter. And I don't know how carefully it, it handles it. And I'm okay with that, but I, I can see a lot of people being turned off by it. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see. It's, it's, it's certainly not one that I think is going to get a huge emotional response from people. And, um, you know, if Todd Haynes wasn't able to get Carol in there, which is such an Oscar movie, like I, the script is not Carol. Like it's, it's a very different, it's already a very different script from Carol. I don't think it's like the same, the same thing, dude. I know, but Carol to me just felt like much more of a, I thought it was a more worthy film. And I I thought it was one that would appeal more to the Academy's tastes and that one didn't get in. So We'll have to see. Like, it would be cool to see a movie like this make it in, but I, I don't see it. Well, I mean, it, it kind of goes back to the whole zone of interest thing where, like, the movie is, like, so unique and different and, like, weird. Like, even if it's campy, like, that's something that helps the film. It helps the film stand out. Like, after last year, I think standing out is kind of a good thing. And furthermore... You're right. Yeah. Furthermore, I submit to you, going back to the Netflix thing, what the hell else are they going to push? Because, like, the only other thing that I really feasibly see at this moment would probably have to be the killer and that's a genre film so like what what else are they going to push i I wouldn't i don't know if we should count out maestro i don't know maybe we should i know you're simping for bradley cooper i know i think that one's wow at the moment obviously test screens have been great but until i actually see the reviews and stuff from venice likely I still think it gets in just based on the trap, the paper of it all. There's Bradley Cooper, there's Carrie Mulligan. It's a biopic. It's Netflix. It's a big, you know, deal like this. So at the moment, I'm still sticking with it for that. Is there their number one movie? I mean, there's a lot of big package movies that miss Best Picture. 
right? That's like, true. I don't think you can just like on the package alone, Babylon. Uh, on the alone, you, you, you can't like lock it in for best picture. You can, you can say that it's a almost certain, like for a few nominations, I, I can be okay with that, but like, like it, it's, it's incredible. You have to keep in mind, it's incredibly hard. There's not that many films that get into best picture, right? Uh, it, it's hard for to lock a ma maestro, and I wouldn't lock May December in. Uh, we'll have to see what Netflix decides. Yeah, I'm not locking is. it in. Like, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, and um, yes, I do think that Netflix of all studios, which right now feels like they might be looking for a better slate of films um, for the fall, uh, buying it uh, for 11 million dollars, mind you, is is a very good sign. Um, although just want to put an asterisk that uh netflix buying films in competition even if uh even if um they are not you know um they're they're not complying with the rules of having a film in competition uh has uh, nothing to do with them uh buying film like it's it's not a uh and there's not uh you know it doesn't mean well, they can buy things they can they can you just can't send movies there yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, they've done it. They have a history of doing that. They bought Atlantics and Happy as Lazaro, uh, which were competition films, for example. Um, uh, so it, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, them buying a film in competition doesn't necessarily mean the world. Uh, but but of course, like them buying it for a pretty sizable sum uh, doesn't mean they they were very excited to. Uh, and we knew that there was a bit of a bidding war on this film. So it's not uh, entirely surprising. Yeah, it's also they they only bought the U.S. rights for it as well, and and at the very least, I I mean I think they would buy it yes for the awards aspect to it, but at the very least, um, stuff on Netflix that's a little bit of um what's the uh like kind of um what's the term um you know a little off kilter, a little lewd, a little you know weird and stuff sells well on Netflix. So, you know. Hunter's audio started cutting out at this point in the show, so I had to cut part of his sentence. Apologies for the technical difficulties. But, at the very least, they can get some views out of it, so I saw it. Which then, so I'm thinking it's actually good that they bought it for both the movie and, I guess, them as well. But I'm not sold on, not no nominations whatsoever for it, but I'm... A little when I see people putting it in for picture, you know, the three actors in the screenplay, I'm like, I kind of want them to pump the brakes a little bit on their expectations for this movie to be a big, big above the line player in every category. Sure. But I think it's more likely this for other contenders. Um, let's, uh, let's do a bit of a speed round here because we're kind of getting through the hype and like, you know, we could talk about killers of the black family like briefly, but like none of y'all saw it. So like, I don't know what, what the point would be necessarily. Um, well, uh, it looks so good though. The trailer is amazing. That's true. I mean, it, it sounds fantastic. It has like a 91 on Metacritic. It's one of my most anticipated of the year. And of course, like, I mean, we don't even need to mention it. Like it, it's locked for a best picture nomination and like mm -hmm. a bunch of like, Picture, like director, actor, supporting actor, supporting actor, screenplay, cinematography, et cetera, et cetera. Could win yeah. some major. I don't think it's going to get you like, like the Irishman. I think well, that yeah. uh, Gladstone could win. I think DiCaprio could win, honestly. But I Same. don't think yeah. I don't I don't think the movie's winning Best Picture. Um, yeah. It almost makes um the trip 
to Cannes, it makes you feel bad when you go all the way there and you're right there and yeah. you still don't see the movie. It's like, God damn it, what's the point of even this? But you, I, you, you see great yeah. movies all, yeah. all, no matter what. It's just kind of, you're so close yet still so far. Hopefully we uh, we see it at TIFF though. Because I feel that like it true. Could I, it's there. not going I, to TIFF. I'm sorry to break uh, to, to break the ice. It's not going to TIFF. Uh, I don't know though. You know, we said that about I, Spielberg I, and I the I kind of like. Uh, well, I mean, the Fablemans Who is like two and a half Fablemans? hours compared to this movie, well, I, three and a half hours. I know the the Fablemans is a, a TIFF movie when you think about it, but I, I was very much like Spielberg doesn't do festivals. I mean, he does New York Festival for some movies, but that's right when they come out. He doesn't do an actual festival launch. So, yeah, yeah. OK, fair enough. But like here we we know that Martin Scorsese is going through festivals and he's done it with his last film, The Irishman. Right. Uh, so we know we, we can we can almost lock this in for, for a New York premiere. Maybe it, it goes through Telluride, although I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, no way it goes to Toronto. Uh, it's uh, it's I, I, I don't know if, it, if uh, there's a reason for Scorsese and his team to pass through there. Uh, uh, I mean, may, I mean, you can quote me if I'm wrong, but like I, this is not a Toronto profile film. Uh, although maybe there. they'll like the indigenous angle to it. Uh, actually, I didn't think about that. Maybe there is that. No, maybe. there's, there's, th this is definitely not a, not, I obviously haven't seen it, but it doesn't look like a Toronto movie as well. A three and a half hour grim movie is not a Toronto movie, I would think. But I would think just the festival after having Glass Sunny and the Fablemans and hearing that Dune might not be ready. And this is wishful thinking, of course, because I'm going there and I really, 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 really want to see this movie is that they will try to get this big marquee thing that they can put in their slot and, you know, grab all the headlines. But It'll come out soon enough. It'll come out in yeah, October. I don't totally believe that'll go to TIFF. I just want to live with the hope that it might. But not that, yeah, not that it'll, it's only a month difference between coming out and TIFF. So it's not like it'll kill me to wait more. I'm going to be I'm already waiting enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, have any of you have any of you watched uh, La Chimera? Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I, I thought you were saying Happy Sauce for a sec. <laughs> I've seen both. I uh, I definitely preferred Happiest Lazaro. I thought that was a great movie. Uh, La Chimera. I I ended up like finding it very interesting. I I, I thought it um, how it tied everything together was really good, but. It, it definitely, um, it, it didn't do much for me. I, I know some people really loved it, but it, it I feel like um, it, it definitely is for a niche crowd. Like I, it, it definitely um, got a lot of divisive reactions based on like people I was talking to. I don't see it as oh, an awards okay. player, but it, it's, um, it's definitely worth seeing. I mean, the, um, She's a great director, and um, I just, when comparing it to Happy as Lazaro, which I I thought was just so well done, it, this didn't, it kind of missed the mark. It, it felt a little inconsistent and incoherent at times, but um, I don't know. I It's worth seeing. I know some people who do really like it. Fair enough. I think Happy as Lazaro is a masterpiece, so I'm really, really excited for this one. Um, so I'm hoping I, I like it, all, even if uh, not quite as much, you know, but um, I'll be satisfied. Uh, that's what I'm really, really looking forward to. I think Eden also saw Lucky, Lucky Mara. I did. I agree with Tristan with a lot of that. I thought it introduced a lot of intriguing concepts. Uh, it talks a lot about grief and historical preservation and what it means to have one's life, life purpose. Um, and I thought that it raised a lot of intriguing conversation. But it 
I don't know, to me, it lacked a lot of the stakes that it required in order to have a really compelling narrative. Felt as though not a lot happened. And only one of its characters went through any semblance of an arc. And because of that, I don't think it was as strong as a film as I was hoping it would be. Interesting. Yeah. I wasn't able to uh, get a ticket for the premiere or anything, but I did cross paths with the Leecha chair after, right after the premiere. She was walking out. She's walking through the palais, and I walked right by her. And I, this was right awesome. Christmas. To, Tristan, you were texting about the how long the standing ovation had been. So I was like, oh, it must be a really great movie. So I said, congratulations to her. She was walking by. She was surrounded by armed guards. There was no chance for a picture. And she said, thank you. So I was like, you know, I got what I wanted out of that. <laughs> it's like when you ran into Sean Baker. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I couldn't get a picture with them. It was her and Nanny Moretti this year. I walked right by, but I couldn't get pictures with them. I, I brushed close to them. Well, speaking of Nanny Moretti, um, this next round, because I mean, we, we went over um, way over like how long Arno wanted to be on for. And I'm, I'm sorry about that, buddy. But um, I think we should like speed round all the stuff that we didn't talk about. And I know that there's a few films that y'all watched that we that uh, that we haven't gotten to yet. So let's just let's just go ahead and let's uh, let's let's get let's take let's get that taken care of. We pretty much brushed past all the, not brushed. We've in depth covered all of the big ones here. So now we're getting into the. I would say lesser titles, but in, in comparison and context, it is they are these. I'm trying to see what I saw that we haven't talked about yet. Oh, I see, I, I see two films. Yeah, that was one of them. I told <laughs> you not to watch that. You son of a bitch. Yeah, what a banger. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I know. I also told you that if you saw that and not Zone of Interest, I would hang it over your head the entire podcast. You know what? I was able to see. It had so, great production design. It had a great score. There were some high points. <laughs> it, was, it was competently made. Costume yeah. designs were great. You know, Wigs were great. Ooh. There was a miscast yeah, lead. There was also yeah. captivating Versailles. You know, you can't have everything. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I, I pretty much watched the movie because they were playing the trailer on the TV outside of it. The theater on repeat for three days straight. So I watched that trailer maybe 45 times, I think. So I was like, ah, that's what I watched. So yeah, it's the equivalent of the movie. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's it's your run-of-the-mill costume drama, but it doesn't I, I don't think it really goes above and beyond. And I, I don't think the performances are very good or the characters are very compelling. And you know, it's it's beautiful to look at in bursts, but I I just I didn't get anything out of it at all. And it, it was weird that it was at Cannes. It didn't feel like a Cannes movie. All right. Well, uh, that's, did, that's one down, I guess. Did, did you guys get uh, to see the Golden Eye winner, uh, Four Daughters? No. I, I We had a ticket to it, but um, it was like right in between Jean Duberry and About Drag Grasses. And it was going to be like a tricky fit to, to get to um, like the next film, uh, and yeah, the there wouldn't have was going to Jean de Berry. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It was a bad, bad idea. Should have seen Four Daughters. I heard some really good things about it. Um, what about uh, Neon bought this animated film from the special uh, uh, screening section, Robot Dreams? Did you guys get to see that? Uh, no. I, I didn't. No, I didn't even. I didn't even. Um... I heard about it after it got bought, and pretty much almost after the festival, I was like, "Oh, this!" That it sounded kind of cool. So, but I I didn't even uh, have it on my uh, long list of films, which 
uh, another not bad choice, but just like, oh, no matter how much you try, stuff slips through the cracks. I don't know if it played when we were uh, there because I didn't see it on the uh, the ticketing website at all. I don't believe it did. Could also be that because if it's not in the official competition, it doesn't play that much. So we have very little chance to see it then. So. Yeah, I know Killers only played once and so did Indiana Jones. Um, yeah. I know, Hunter, you saw Black Flies. Oh, yeah, I did. Um, uh, it's definitely a movie because it was like the fourth movie of a five-movie day. Um, it's a good movie to watch your fourth one because you're so tired, you might fall asleep. This movie will not let you fall asleep because it is so goddamn loud and annoying the whole time that um, it's like um, uh, I, it's a, the ambulance, it's a paramedic kind of drama thriller almost because there's just loud sirens going around. People are screaming the whole time. There's so much nasty imagery. I mean, there's this woman who's giving birth and it's complicated, but she's also doing heroin at the same time. It is just like Darren Aronofsky levels of just pushing your head into the grime of it all, but without that Aronofsky cinema kind of, I don't want to say magic, but he can pull off that stuff with some success. I don't think this one did at all. I'm actually, I, I think it's just because Sean Penn is the reason this movie's in a competition. I think there needs to be an investigation yeah. of letting John, Sean, Sean Penn, Penn come back. But also, but also the director, uh, Jean-Stéphane Sauvert, who, uh, who all his films so far have played at Cannes. So his yeah. first film, um, Johnny This is his Mad first Dog one in competition, in, uh, though. Right. This is his first one in competition. So he's upgraded uh, from uh, first he was in Un Certain Regard, then he went to Midnight with a Prayer Until Dawn, and now he's in uh, in competition for this film. Maybe maybe it's uh, not warranted. I don't know. I I read the screenplay. I love the screenplay. I thought the screenplay was really really interesting, and I thought the moral uh, questions it was uh, it was posing was uh, really well uh, uh, was really thoughtful and interesting. And it, you know, as I was reading it, it wouldn't let up either. Like it was a really intense film. I was really picturing some of the more morbid and gross scenes from Seven um, um, in some of these uh, snippets. You know, uh, but maybe. But I don't particularly love uh, uh, Sauvert's direction. So I wouldn't be surprised if his uh, if if I'm not sold on the film itself based on his uh, just the way he he kind of ends up putting his uh, scenes together. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it's it's I think the movie is it has ideas, but I think they are sur- uh, surface level ideas about being a paramedic and you kind of playing the hand of God. You are acting as God in some of these scenes, saving people. Uh, you are, you know, tasks of saving people are some people worth being saved. Is it your job to save everybody? And there's stuff like that, but it's stuff I think I've heard, I've seen before. And the way it goes about is extremely grim, I think, just to a point of excessiveness at some points. And it becomes a cycle, this movie, where it's harrowing scene of them trying to save somebody. And they go back in the van, they have a little chat about their life and you know philosophy and all that and then they go back to the harrowing scene and that just happens like six or seven times and it's at the end of the movie you're not really feeling like anything is saying something at all and i i i just don't know what i'd, I'd be very curious if this, when this movie comes out i could see it not coming out for another year or wherever because it's just not that kind of movie that you can even tell people like yeah you should go see this movie but I'm all for directors getting a chance, you know, the ones that have been in Unstern Regard and other, you know, sidebars to get promoted the competition. I just kind of wish they th- th- he had capitalized better this time. 
Mm. Um, Any of you guys seen the golden camera winner uh, inside the yellow cocoon chin? I don't think that one played when we were there either. I didn't see it on the ticking site. It's from Director's Fortnite, so that might be it. Uh, And then the the Uncertain Regal winner, uh, How to Have Sex. Mm. I I wanted to. Yeah. I think it only played once while we were there. I don't remember. I think it was playing once in one of our theaters. I believe. Probably sandwiched between other movies. I think it was at the same time as May, December. Because that was on my short list, and I had to choose between the two. I've heard really good things, though. Yeah, same. I'm excited to see it. Oh, yeah. Yep, it was exactly the start of the exact same time as May December that night. Yeah, <laughs> you just get to those kind of things. Where you're like, well, there's two movies I want to see, and there's only one time slot. So, well, there's a couple of uh, can veteran films that you've seen here. Um, Hunter, uh, The Old Oak, and uh, A Brighter Tomorrow from uh, Ken Loach and Nani Morietti, respectively. If you want to give your thoughts mm-hmm. on those, well, um, Tristan and I were planning on seeing The Old Oak, and then Tristan decided not to see it and i'm actually jealous because uh i regret having this watched this movie that it is i think i'm, I'm really hoping because ken loach said he probably will retire after this movie and i know he's almost 90 years old so it's kind of feasible that he will retire but i really hope he doesn't go out on this movie it is such a surface level speechifying kind of movie where i think like black flies is the surface level but at least has interesting direction very in spurts there's things and this one is just such a flat and like a like a movie about race that came out in the 80s that is just so basic about the way it goes about is so flat and like this is a movie that anybody can watch it's not going to challenge your point of view or anything but it is going to confirm that you thinking racism is bad it's a good thing and you're a good person i'm like this is not you this is a much more complicated issue. You know, obviously it's been around for thousands of years and there's no way to solve it. And this movie thinks about if we just talk to each other, racism will be gone. And it's, I think, and it, it, the movie almost insultingly ends without resolving anything actually really, which is, but it, which is, you, you could commend it for, but it also thinks that it resolved all the things it did. And it actually didn't. It's so it's, I, the good acting, because it's not, no name actors are in it so it's all just regular people and it's nice to see them getting their shine and it's commendable performances but i just think it is a very big step down for ken loach as a director and paul laverty as a screenplay as his writer it's definitely i think it's the worst film i've seen in the three years i've been to this festival so and then um a Brighter Tomorrow by Nani Moretti. It's actually the very first film i saw so while tristan eden were watching jean duberry i was watching this one this one was good, I think. I've come down a little more on it since I first saw it. But it's kind of Natty Moretti's Bardo to an extent, where it is a stuff with, it's a film within a film. I know Bardo isn't totally that, but there is stuff going on within this world, literally and more metaphorically at the same time, in a sort of comedic aspect. And it's Natty Moretti commenting on his life, his career, the film industry as well. He has a whole scene where him and his producers meet with netflix and it's it takes a lot of cheap shots to netflix that we've all heard and seen before but it's still funny in a way it does it it is not a very deep movie that an interesting angle but it's entertaining to watch as well and it's like 89 minutes or 90 minutes or whatever offensive and 
it was also the first movie I'd seen. So I was really fresh and excited at that moment. Neither of those movies, I think, will go anywhere. Anyone, not to be mean, I don't think anyone will talk about these movies anymore after Can. Um, one, two more films to talk about. One that Hunter's seen, the other Tristan and Eden saw. Um, you want to give your take on Bandel and Adama, the one debut film in comp this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, this was actually the one um, that it fit my schedule on the final day where they released their schedule. And by that point, I think I had seen 10 movies of the first two days. So I had a little more time on my schedule on Saturday and this one fit into it pretty perfectly, especially since the movie is like 82 minutes long. So it's really easy. And I had seen very little African films in my lifetime. So I didn't need, you know, I didn't want to put all the pressure on this film to introduce me to African cinema, but like, you know what, I want to get into this a little more. Let's take this for an opportunity. It's a debut film. So it could take an interesting aspect. It is a very well shot directed film. Um, I think it is a very big debut from this director, Ramada Tule Sai. I think I'm not saying that totally right. I apologize, but it was a um, it's beautiful to look at the deserts in Africa. The performances are great as well. It's a pretty I think even at 81 minutes, it's a little too long for the story in terms of what actually happens in it. And there are some metaphysical, poetic kind of lyrical aspects to it that don't clash, that kind of clash a little bit with the literal aspects of the film and what it's trying to say about gender roles and within the society, this kind of tribe aspect to it. So it's one of those movies where I came away maybe a six out of 10. I liked it, but not a lot, but I really would like to see more from this director. They got another chance to be in the competition with maybe a more fleshed out story. So but I'm happy nice. To, nice. to have a, to have tried it. So uh, now the last one here um, for Tristan and Eden. I know you guys are very eager to talk about this one, despite um, what some others might think of it. The Closing Night film, Elemental. Yes. Uh, yes. Wait, we haven't talked about Firebrand either, which we should. Oh, yeah. oh I forgot about Firebrand. <laughs> we also have Firebrand. I'm I'm not. I'm to blame for forgetting about Firebrand. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's a good movie, but you know, it's that kind of movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't do anything that's, you know, out of the ordinary, but I, I liked it. I, I thought Jude Law was pretty, pretty great. Um, yeah. And I, um, I don't know, it, it was getting pretty middling reviews. So I went in with really low expectations and I thought I was well done. Yeah. It was one of my most anticipated festival because it shouldn't have been at the festival. I don't know why this was at Cannes, really. I mean, we talked it's about this should have been a TIFF. The director has been in Cannes a lot of times before. Yeah, this should have been a TIFF movie. It really would have done. Not that it's a great movie that would have burst on the scenes of TIFF, but it would have played better there. There's not a ton of directorial style about it. It's pretty, yeah. not yes. flat, but it's a pretty straightforward English period piece kind of thing. And so yeah, I, think and I, still liked it. I think the director's previous film, Invisible Life, which... I think I think is a masterpiece. Um, I think that film won the Unsen Regal Prize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it won. Uh, so I mean, this director has been at Cannes. He hasn't been at Cannes for all of his films, but uh, the, his first film to go to Cannes was Madame Sata back in two thousand two. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, his uh, um, uh, one of maybe his best film to date, uh, Invisible Life of Yuridis Guzmao, won the top prize in the Un Certain Regal sidebar in twenty nineteen. His last film 
um, uh, Mariner of the Mountains, uh, which is a uh, essay documentary uh, about the director kind of going back to his, uh, to, you know, his, uh, um, how do I say this, his uh, kind of ancestral land of Algeria, because the director uh, grew up in Brazil, but his family originally comes from Algeria. So it's kind of like him doing this kind of essay style journey. Uh, travelogue essay style journey through the land. It's one of the most creative and vividly imaginative documentaries I've seen in a while. It's a really, really terrific watch. Really recommend it. Uh, so that also played at Cannes in the special screenings uh, two years ago. And then uh, you have this one where it's his first time in competition. And so that got us uh, excited quite a bit. Oh, finally, you know, this this director at the top of his game, right uh, off of Yuri Skosmao, uh getting into competition, but, uh, you know, and the, ended up kind of dropping the ball. Yeah. yeah, it's it was one of those listed on this is on IMDb, so it's not true fact, but it was listed as history, drama slash horror in the genre for it. So I was like, oh, that's a really interesting way to tackle Henry VIII. Well, whoever wrote horror is just lying. So that's not very nice because that really made me anticipated for the movie because it um it's not even close to a horror movie. It's I was ready for like a Pablo Lorraine-esque kind of thing. And that's not what it is. It's pretty by the numbers, straightforward. Well done, well acted, of course. But um, I I just liked it. But it's, it's one of these movies where I'm like, I, you know, there's not a whole lot. It's, it's I, I liked Mary Queen of Scots when that came out. But it's kind of like that was in Cannes competition where it's like, ah, it's a good movie, but what was the X factor that really put us in here? Besides, of course, the director being there before. Right. What did the selection committee mm-hmm. see in this movie that was like, oh yeah, we have to put this in besides the star power, besides that, which obviously that goes. There's, there's some movies that are in comp that like, definitely don't belong there. I think Arnold, I saw Arnold talk about that the other day. Yeah, yeah I mean, this like, was a good uh, one. Uh, uh, anything from Catherine Corsini uh, shouldn't be in comp, but it is for some reason, and it's hard mm-hmm. to understand why. In my mind, uh, she's just a fundamentally uninteresting filmmaker. Um, I don't understand why she's in competition, um, but you know th- that happens. All right, now let's talk about Elemental. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Elemental. I mean, look, I'm I'm a pretty massive Pixar fan. Um, and I know people have kind of fallen off the Pixar train in recent years, and it's understandable. But there have been, you know, recent films of theirs that I've really loved. Uh, Luca being one of them. I, I think that's a, a great film. And actually, like, part of me wanting, like, getting really into travel um, was through Luca and how it portrayed Italy. And right after that, I went to Italy. And I, I, I just thought that movie really inspired me. Um, so, you know, I, Elemental hasn't gotten the greatest reviews, but I, we were, Eden and I were in the room uh, when that premiered and, and it was pretty electric. Um, people were going pretty crazy. So maybe the critics aren't, aren't getting as on board, but the, there were certainly people who were pretty moved by it. And uh, I think both of us were part of that crowd. Um, I just think it's extremely colorful and um Sure. I, I mean, there's a lot of comparisons to Zootopia and how um, how it, it, it does kind of tie in racism to the uh, to the narrative and um, in terms of like the the city landscape. Um, but I also think just as like a, a love story and, and 
I, I know Wally kind of has that that um, romance factor, but this is like the first full-on romance that um, uh, Pixar has done. And I, I think they did a really great job with it. And I think it's going to appeal to kids, but also appeal to adults um, because of how uh, tenderly it explores love. Um, I, I thought it was just really creative and really well done. And I was very moved by it. And it felt like that Pixar magic that, um, you know, has been missing from some of their recent work uh, was uh, this movie certainly contained that. And it, it reminded me of some of their earlier work. So if, if you love Pixar and, and you, you know, want to want a movie that's going to kind of feel like a throwback to their, their style um, in the 2000s. I, th- I think this is going to impress a lot of people. And um, I, I already see like the Rotten Tomato meter going up. People are responding to this. So I, I think it's going to surprise people and do better than people are expecting it to do. Yeah, I do completely agree with that. Uh, the energy in the room when we saw it was absolutely electric. And yeah, it was part of that the fact that Pete Doctor and Peter Sohn and the actors were in the room with us. Absolutely. But there's something so magical about a Pixar offering. And like Tristan was saying, Elemental really recaptures that spark, which has kind of felt like it's been missing for the past few films. Um, the world that they create is so vibrant and so innovative. It completely comes to life on screen. And yes, there are going to be those comparisons to Zootopia because of the subject matter or to Inside Out because of the animation style. But Elemental still absolutely just stands on its own. Um, I thought a lot of the physical mechanics behind each of the elements power sets was really innovative. I thought the design was really brilliant. And it's just such a heartwarming, beautiful movie. I'm not going to lie. I did shed a few tears. Um, I thought it was such a lovely love story. And it captures that timelessness that was really representative of old Pixar. So I thought it was a really great return to form. And I'm really looking forward to seeing it again next week. All right. Um, Well, um, sounds a lot of fun. And uh, that's it. We went way over every um, where what we were, I guess, hoping for and expecting for. It wasn't concise or streamlined necessarily, but uh, we got through everything, and that's all that matters. So, oh, but uh, we got to talk about Elemental's best picture chances. I mean, even Matt <laughs> Neglia was saying, you know, I I, I find it absolutely this is an Matt Neglia said. Um, about uh, May December, no Oscar prospects, but for Elemental, best picture, best virtual screen. Honestly, like just reading the room when I was in there, I'm like, maybe, but no, when we got out and I read some of the reviews, I'm like, okay, maybe it was just, I don't know. I think it's um, absolutely going to hit best animated, but no, yeah, definitely sure. not best picture. Mm, yeah. We'll see. It was quite the whiplash when you guys came out of it and were, you know, really enjoying it, of course. And then like I, I don't know a day later i look up the reviews i'm like wait i thought people liked this movie <laughs> oh my god it shocked us <laughs> yeah yeah it was weird it's, everyone was seeming to really enjoy it yeah it's part of, it's it's really part of the fun where you watch a movie uh there before you know all the reviews are out and then you kind of you try to feel and guess like oh how did people like this movie and then it turns out maybe you liked it way less or way little that's this nice. this reminds me a lot of uh, the world premiere screening that I was very lucky to attend of uh, Jojo Rabbit back, back in 2019, oh, where, yeah. I mean, Jojo Rabbit was the right place to 
to premiere at TIFF in front of uh, this that particular crowd. It was the perfect place to world premiere. And the energy in the room was absolutely like eating the film up. Um, every um, uh, every uh, you know twist that the film was giving it, every every joke that it was going like the the, the room was really really reacting to it. Uh, I have to say uh, it was it was quite infectious. Uh, even for me, I think this Joe's Rabbit is a film that upon like kind of uh, digesting it a little bit more and thinking back on it, I I like a lot less than what what I the feeling I initially had had coming out of the room. And so it was a big shock for us to see some of the negative reactions of the film uh, uh, the next morning. But uh, um, I, I wouldn't go with that negative necessarily, but uh, but I do kind of uh, see a lot of the criticisms uh, against the film. It's just that it's, it's, it's crazy how that infectious energy can really overtake sometimes. So I, I kind of, uh, I empathize with uh, the sentiments you had in the elemental screening. I don't know if we're um, we, we might be uh, just about done speaking. I'll ju I'll just uh, there's a lot of other great great can films I'm really excited about, but I do want to give just one shout out to um, to uh, the one Canadian film in the select in the official sec uh, selection called The Nature of Love, um, a film I was uh, fortunate to have worked on, um, oh, yeah. and I'm Ooh. very very excited for people to uh, to watch it. It's one of the most well reviewed films from the official selection, uh, from what I've read. Um, and I, the screenplay is fantastic. It's a rom it's a romance too, but it's a romance about class divide. Uh, really, really uh, excited for for people to to just watch that. It's a comedy. It's gonna be it's hilarious. Um, I, I I hope that this film gets distributed in uh, in more widely in North America because I think it will deserve it. Yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome. We've got a we've got uh, a film so industry member here on this show, everybody. Um, okay but now like it is the um the ending here um we didn't go way over what we wanted to go over um but you know we got it done that's all that matters thank you all for uh listening to the show our very belated can show three weeks after the festival premiere um check us out on spotify you know you can you can share if you like you can rate if you like you know whatever i usually don't do this stuff uh, but yeah, I mean, thank you for listening and I will, um, we'll catch you guys, uh, next time, whatever, whenever we, uh, we do an episode. So thanks. Thanks everyone. Peace out. Big daddy's home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>